Welcome to Thug Crowd Radio. Please listen to this important disclaimer in its entirety. All participants of this Thug Crowd Radio episode are characters. None of the stories told during these episodes are based on facts, truth, or reality. All works of fiction displayed during this episode that resemble real-life situations are coincidental and are not meant to serve as guides or tutorials to commit any crimes in any country. Please consult an attorney for local laws and regulations. And as always, trust your inner criminal. Hey, that's 24. That's more than half of 52. <laughs> Very true. Whoa. Wow, you're blowing my mind, man. <laughs> Dude, that's, uh, we've been doing this for a little while now, huh? Right? Yeah. It's pretty good. It also doesn't count the older episodes, too, that we had that were uh, amazing. <laughs> I'll put those up in a special, uh, maybe Patreon exclusive in like a year or two. <laughs> oh, Despite what your spoiler might say, I updated the, uh, the called little titles a little too late. Um, we're going to be talking to uh, Wave Guy D from Hacker Warehouse uh, later on. Um, he's got a lot of cool information about like crazy uh, gadgets and stuff. And uh, information that, or like a lot of knowledge, I guess, on like RF and and hardware in general. So I'm excited to talk to him about that kind of stuff. Awesome. Yeah. Anybody have anything cool they did this week? They want to share? I had a good nap. I was just bragging about it earlier. This night. Oh yeah. It was amazing. But uh, I'm sure somebody else did something more awesome. Um. I deposed the prime minister, and uh, Donald Trump is following me. That's pretty. Cool. <laughs> what? <laughs> All right. Congrats. Uh, I think. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's. Yeah. I don't know. Dicks. Be dicks. <laughs> so, yeah. is that this? So we had something. We had something very interesting happen with uh, after we spoke to the D13 people a couple of weeks ago. What happened? Um, uh, now the Trump administration is super, super interested in their technology and has basically bought it all and has hired, you know, the director of the company as an intelligent person. So shout out to, to Donnie Trump, big fan of the show. Um, <laughs> shout out, what the fuck? Shout all out right. to Space Force. Uh, yeah. Wow. Shout out to the future, guys. Yeah, it's the future is awesome. It's really great. Shout out to our boy Elon. He's uh, number one Patreon supporter of the show. <laughs> uh, hey, what is yeah, well, the, uh, 
What's the, the Patreon address? Is, is Patreon.com forward slash Thug Crowd or is it something else? Thug Crowd, yep. We got that one. Nice. Um, we also got a YouTube URL, YouTube.com forward slash Thug Crowd, which I'm pretty excited about too. Ooh. Um, yeah, you guys can go to that and watch it if you are ever so inclined. That's also where the, I guess, the master backups for everything are now because of my uh, mishandling of Twitch videos because I don't, I didn't quite know how they worked for a while and I would accidentally delete them. Um, yeah. And so we had like really wonky views on some of them because I would uh, have to restore them from some other source. Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, we would have like two views on like really awesome shows. Yeah. And I was like, what the hell is going on? And oh, okay. So it's a product of like having to adjust things and re upload. Mm. Yeah, well, yeah. At least we got the YouTube now. So that's good. Yeah. No, it's good too. I'm um, glad people are able to watch on that because I watch more stuff on YouTube than Twitch. Um, but I mean, regardless, either way, it's a good, yeah. whatever, however you like to get your content. Hey, where uh, are we monitoring the chat in both? Uh, or pretty much everywhere, but mostly uh, Twitch and YouTube, I'd imagine, right? Yeah, we have um, we have the chat in Twitch and in YouTube. I'm posting in them right now. Stay in Hala and both. And, uh, and they both just discuss. just in case, um, just in case you need it. I think I've got Thug Crowd at Pornhub.com. Oh, nice. Nice. <laughs> yeah. oh nice! We're gonna be wow. doing those uh, late night streams soon. Um, there are gonna be some uh, on Pornhub. Uh, yeah, we're gonna remember that one I told you about. Uh, uh, like videos of like uh, bad boy getting screwed. <laughs> All right, eighteen-year-old server gets penetrated. Uh, I don't know. Anyways, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's go on to the so many jokes we could make on Pornhub, uh, and they won't do anything because they're cool. So, and it's totally gonna happen too. These these jokes, absolutely. Oh, can't wait. All ports filled. <laughs> All right, let's, um, before we get too, too wild and out of control, we'll save that for uh, those streams. Let's get into right. our news. So a really interesting thing popped up last night. Um, I don't know if you guys saw this. The, so there was an O-Day that popped up uh, on Twitter. Um, that was a sandbox escaper who had posted like a POC, a uh, privilege escalation um, POC on GitHub and just posted it on Twitter um, last night. Um, and Microsoft confirmed it. I didn't actually get a chance to run it. Uh, I've been do, I've been re redoing all my VMs anyway. Um, but I don't know if anyone did anybody here try it out. I actually didn't yeah. hear about it too much. I, I haven't been on Twitter quite as much lately. So uh, I looked into the can you describe the it? research um, behind the sandbox escaper person was previously done by Ben Nagy about a year ago, and I'm a little suspicious that maybe it is Ben Nagy. But mm. just to say. I mean, so what, just on the, can you can you kind of summarize what it is though? Because I actually didn't see much about this one. It's basically like a like it's a, it's a Microsoft uh, task scheduler. It just mishandles the, uh, the advanced local procedure call, and oh, okay. I, I didn't read the actual um, exploit in there yet. But I got you. it'll you schedule a task and and you can escalate privileges through that. Yeah, this yeah, is just, the one I made that joke about welcome to 2008 or whatever, I think. Yeah. It, it, it kind of feels like like history repeating itself 10 years later. It's pretty scary how many of these um, standard Windows utilities keep getting discovered now that can pass JavaScript or read files from the web and download and execute. <laughs> and, and nobody's ever found this in 10 years and it's not documented anywhere. Yeah. I mean, in my, in my, in my Linux brain, 
in, in my Linux brain though, I'm thinking like cron jobs that you can, you know, you can write to a root cron job or something like that, right? You got like SUID somewhere yeah. and, or so, and, and whatever. And then uh, like, but if you look at the repo, <coughs> the commits are like from six months ago. Yeah. So even though they've been made public now, this guy's been sitting on Windows O'Day for six months, probably because, and like, like if you read the tweet, never again do I want to submit to Microsoft anyway. Maybe this was already submitted and like turned down, turned away. Like we're not going to pay you, or we're not going to take it seriously. And he's like, "Well, yeah. Twitter time." We've nice. seen it. We've seen it before, man. Python Responder. That's that. That well, that went on for two years before Microsoft acknowledged it as any their problem whatsoever yeah. at all. Wow. Yeah, and Laura. that's like the number one way to hack a Windows corporate domain with a red team engagement is using so, Laurent's little trick. Yeah, yeah Laurent Gaffney. Uh, he went. He went nuclear and just full disclosure. Yeah. He spoke about it at uh, at a Ruxmon, like with, in front of maybe thirty people in like the back of a uni. I remember when he was showing like the original stuff, and we were like, "Whoa, this is a thing." Um, and then like now all of a sudden it's like it's real. Now Mark's off to like, "Hey, that's a thing." <laughs> yeah. The, the scary thing is that the Duke and the ADM boys knew about it years in advance, and I can't remember what the ADM tool was called, but they had a uh, basic NBNS kind of spoofing proof of concept a long time before Laurent rediscovered it. Uh, there was also a, there was actually a bug that came up um, relative to the MDNS stuff as well in Linux, which is the, the resolving uh, DNS resolution order that was fixed in a bunch of distros. I don't know, a couple of months ago as well. Just on that topic of MDNS. It's it's a little it's a little scary because I thought we had a champion at Microsoft. We've got a few people in Microsoft that are well respected in the scene, and um, I thought I thought maybe some of the changed around this, but it looks like yeah. who knows? It could have just been lost in the lost in the paperwork or the process or whatever. There could be too yeah. many cooks. The bureaucracy of it all makes too things hard to get cooks. from uh, from smart people all the way up the ladder all the time. And at the same time, you've got Microsoft in the middle of a of a political shit fight right now, being called in to blame Russians for things. So, well, blame or actually acknowledge. I mean, let's be realistic. There probably actually was some stuff there, but yeah, there's Microsoft's got a lot of stuff going on. I I can't, you know, it's easy to take shots at them, but they've been. Um, They've been stepping up their security game a lot recently. Is, but... is Alex Ionescu still at Microsoft? Who? Alex Ionescu. He wrote like the Windows internals. Uh, I don't know. I think Mark Rusevich is still there, but other than that, I'm okay. actually not sure. And Katie Mazuris? Oh no, I think she moved on from there a long time ago, right? Uh, I, don't I don't know though. I don't... No, I'm not sure. I think anyway, but uh, so this bug. The sandbox escape, it's out. Microsoft has stuffed up, you know, they've mishandled it, obviously. And this, so this guy, or I don't even know if it's a guy, it's, it's it looks it's like an old account to me. It's a girl? I believe so. I mean, it's, I don't know. There you go. Uh, what are this, 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 he, she, I don't know. I'm just, please come on, please, please come on. We don't, we don't talk like that here. <laughs> no, and, I, I, and what did you mean by that? Dude. Oh my it's god, let's just focus on that Yo. word. Yo, uh, I just—it's uh, almost certainly a fake profile, right? It's—it's no, it's, don't be deceived. 
Right. So let's oh, yeah. let's just uh, not speculate too much on the the author of the account, but um, they've obviously just well, okay. Now I'm going to speculate on the author, but they've obviously <laughs> tried pretty hard, you know, to go ahead and do something, and they've 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 gotten fed up with the process, is what the the tweets look like. And so I'd probably say that, like, this is one of the stresses that we've talked about previously in InfoSec of trying to get your message across and how that can be very, uh, have that negative effect on people. And and that's what this looks like, right? Yeah. It seems like definitely, like, this person has had other things going on and then this would compound on it because if you're, you know, trying to report something, I mean, we've we've seen this with people that we know, people people we're talking right now, of just the sitting on something that you know would be dangerous and you want to tell somebody, but you don't want to be the, if you feel like the, like the, like a cop in like a movie with all the uh, red string going to all the different newspaper articles, like, you know, then Mm -hmm. you have something that's legitimate, but it's hard to get somebody to listen to you. And even if someone does listen to you and believe you, it's hard to trust that person to not, either take your research or try to hurt you, you know, by hurting your reputation or calling the cops on you or something, you know? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. You could go mad. You could go absolutely mad uh, when nobody listens to you and you're very, very far ahead of the curve. Trust me. I've seen it many times. Yeah. That yeah. Also called crazy just... for years and years and years, and then suddenly it comes out that you were right the whole time. And yeah, it, it's nice. driving mad. It's nice when you get vindicated, even if you have to wait a year or two. Uh, then you can point to it and be like, I told you so. And then yeah. people ask you still, why did you collect all those bottles of urine? And you're like, well, I don't know. I guess well, that <laughs> wasn't related to it. But yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> Donald Trump said that I uh, was the leader of the Bertha movement for years. He was saying Obama was born in Kenya. He was the main yeah. guy. And now he's the president. So all those people that were laughed at back then as being nut jobs and conspiracy theorists are now vindicated. Um, I don't know. I don't know what's reality anymore because Donald Trump's president, so who knows? But, yeah. <laughs> but does, right. that, does that make everything he said correct? Maybe. Okay, all right. Before, before we go down that rabbit hole too, let's go to the next news story, which uh, is yet another spyware company that marketed to domestic abusers has been hacked. This uh-huh. is yet another case of another company that people go to to catch their cheating spouse or find out what your spouse is up to or who's hubby really talking to or whatever. Um, all of those sites, the market to people in these really scummy, scummy ways that take on people, uh, play on people's darkest fears has been hacked. They had, they had 10,000 customers, right? With Ooh. this access to their phones and yeah. spyware, literal spyware. Um, and again, they are run in the worst way possible and allow people to just break into it and literally have root access to like tw- like uh, 10,000 phones. It's so interesting to see it over and over again happen. Um, and really it's happening because people are rushing to make the product production, not worrying about security. And then it's obviously a huge hole left open. But uh, somebody also coined the term uh, play spy games, win spy prizes, or something like that. I think it was Grook or Grook. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. so true, right? Like they're getting fucking popped because they're they're being asked. The the stuff that they're promoting and selling is ethically kind of on the edge, anyways. So they're gonna get 
owned over and over again. It's going to keep happening. Yeah. yeah. And the, the people that do it aren't even really committing a crime because they're getting a high five from like, you know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Government's like, yeah, good. Check this, it down. I think the scary thing is how many are actually out there, though. Like, I kind of got a little bit of a of a view of just the the scale of how many how many devices there are, especially overseas, like in China and and other Asian countries. Huge amounts, man! Like it's it's a yeah. epidemic there's, for sure. There's more phones than people in some countries. Like some, a lot of people have two phones, and people who don't have bank accounts have two phones. Yeah. Like that's a common thing, you know. Yeah. You can yeah. dual wield phones. I don't. I don't know why we don't understand that in the West. It's possible to have to dual wield phones. You have one in your hand, one in your own hand. But if you do that in, in public, stuff. people think you're crazy. So. Well. But I think um, one of the things about this is like that, like you said, they're targeting the the darkest fears that your you know your your spouse is cheating and that your your world is about to crash down because of all this, and people want to find out. Um, maybe instead of installing spy like spyware on your spouse's phone behind their back, you should probably have like you know an honest conversation with them. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that might actually be a better you know. If, you, if you're already if you're spying on your partner, then I mean, it doesn't really matter what they're doing. You're already kind of fucking that relationship up, aren't you? So yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. As, as someone doomed. who's been down that road before, like I've gone down that road personally, and it's not, it never ends up being the right answer like you have yeah. to have communication in a relationship and if you don't yeah. it's gonna get uh nasty and ugly so wow. don't do this fire right thing when there's money involved serious amounts of money as well uh people will go to any this is why private investigators exist oh it's true not, true true they're, they're not detectives like solving crimes they're hunting down <laughs> like divorce yeah. yeah, I think as well, like, if you have a look at the the original thing, like, I mean, everybody in here has been asked this question. Everybody who's listening has been asked this question. Can you help me hack a Hotmail? Like, the answer is no. I can't fucking help you. It's probably, like, not the right way to go about things. There's other, like, you, there's other vectors that are probably a better idea than to do that, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, that's literally, like, a perennial question, I feel like, for people who, who put that out there on uh, that they are interested in security stuff is because of that. And it's like, it's like base paranoia that people just end up getting bred into them because of technology itself. But yeah, I just said, Dan, though, like talk to your partner. If you don't trust them, don't date them. Yeah. A lot lot of economics is based on fear, right? And, and encouraging you to be afraid of something. So to buy this, my no, volcano insurance because you know volcanoes could happen anytime and you don't have volcano insurance I, it's, I such, a, like it's, it's such a really just a vile area of somebody's life and and psyche to, to target though because when people are insecure about themselves or bad self-esteem that can leak into relationships and then you find yourself just one day seeing maybe something off color about a relationship you google it and all these companies, like you said, they're marketing towards the fear and they make you almost kind of start seeing things that aren't even there uh, yeah. that are like supposed signs of cheating. And then the next thing you know, you're fucking installing a rootkit on your partner's phone. There's big data out there that like if they find out that you're that you're inquiring about weddings with um, wedding service providers. You start getting spam emails about 
insurer your property against cheating wives. Ooh, wow. Yeah, that's horrible. This happens. Dude. It's so predatory and disgusting, but that's just the world we live in. Right yeah, now. that's the right word for it too, predatory. That's amazing. Yeah. A lot of times it's companies. cheaters that are worried about their spouse cheating. I'll just throw that out there. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. – uh, I've heard that too. Like self-projecting? I really – I, I married the internet a long time ago. So <laughs> Uh, so the Keep next story I wanted to go over real quick. Um, we don't have to go too deep into it, but did you guys see the big thread about the former Tesla employee who um, was talking about the internals of Tesla? Well, yeah. yes. Oh, yeah. It's really funny how I mean, relatable this I shit think is. It's, yeah. It, Elon just like, must be rolling his eyes going, all of you normal humans are so boring. <laughs> Goddamn reptilian, like non-reptilians, but um, yeah, human, filthy human. It's just it but, is funny because Tesla, Tesla definitely has like been elevated to this like status of like god tier like tech company, but they all have the same dirty laundry as everybody else does. I really like the few things in in here where uh, they talk about their um, pipelines and stuff that that could be compromised. They talk about machines uh, over the air updates. You know, there was nearly a a Jenkins pipeline that caused like an infinite reboot loop or some shit like that. You know, these yeah. like real things oh that you God. experience. Like this, this is like startup <laughs> problems. Like these are problems you experience in a startup being a member of you know multiple startups over the yeah. years. And like <laughs> some of the things in here with a reboot loop on your fucking car on the highway. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then there's this, there was another one in there where the guy mentions they patched open SSL to uh, ignore expired certificates wow. because um, because they didn't have a process in place to roll the certs. Like, <laughs> they just rolled out all the certs and then they what had they, to patch open SSL. In a car? Why are they using SSL in a car? I mean, the Tesla, as far as the different models have multiple different machines that have an internal, like, Ethernet network that they communicate across. Yeah. So, so why are they encrypting? Why are they using SSL to encrypt that internal network inside? Are they are they worried that people are going to hack into the network from inside the car? Well, you've got also got over the air firmware updates that need to get pushed across things that need validation. Like I can see why, like you would have like maybe an X509. It's definitely they just tacked on SSL because some standard, some government standard said you need to have this, and so they went all right just. Do whatever the best of breed industry standard is. Uh, yeah. Government standards as well. Like in the thread, it did mention that uh, the telemetry of the cars was also being recorded under like some government thing. And I think we already knew that. I don't think that was a secret or dirty laundry or anything. Yeah, I don't think it ever surprises us these days on telemetry getting collected. I, I think it's one of those areas, again, that I think we'd all agree this is kind of a shitty thing that's happening and it keeps happening but you know that at one time where you get into a car accident and uh something extra bad or tragic happens and then you you're on a murder charge because you're going uh a couple miles over the speed limit and there's telemetry to prove it from a stupid fucking sensor uh from tesla yeah you know. Well, we uh, so I worked on a um a mining truck platform thingy all the, uh, a bunch of years ago that where we uh, actual we, actual mining. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, like not not Bitcoin mining, like mining <laughs> trucks. Like, but they were basically just like water trucks and dump trucks and whatever. I don't know, different types of trucks. Mm. And they have this uh, thing in there. This comp, this uh, Taiwanese company made this thing that has like eighty sensors on it, and um, they have a two G cell site uh, at the, which they, cause they're talking about using like two G backhaul in, in a lot of this Tesla stuff as well. Um, and there was a two G cell site out on the mining site, which is in the middle of nowhere, so there's no regular cell coverage. And it would feed back telemetry in real time back to the back to the uh, back to the system. And um, we set up things like geogates so that like if a truck is speeding um, in an area, or if it's not doing something safe, or the oil pressure, or the you know RPM goes too high, or they have any kind of these like scenarios, they could all be replayed for safety reasons. Um, and I think in an industrial situation, a lot of this stuff makes a lot of sense. Um, but I think when you're out on the road. Um, like being on the like you know the the obviously the public uh traffic system is a whole lot more complicated and there's a lot more scenarios that can happen out there yeah. so i think it's, once you start applying those little small scale things to the large scale that's when um it doesn't quite work as well you know it's really a fascinating topic too because it and it's it's one that we could probably dedicate a whole show to but it's something that is inevitable right like like self-driving cars and autonomy is inevitable in driving, but we're going to reach this point in time where it's just going to be such a rough transition to transition over. Like, and I think it's going to happen during our lifetimes too. Like, I think we're going to see this really just hard <laughs> fucking transition. Yeah. It'd be transition between cabs and Uber. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, uh... Yeah, Faith and I were talking about earlier. There's a couple like Charlie Miller's company where he is now. There's um uh, uh an Australian guy who's working out there. Shout out to Eccentric, um, you know, working on self-driving cars like that. And you know, this is real people that are in the in the matrix. They're in the security zone, and they're working on this right now. So if they're not at the point of where they're testing this stuff theoretically. They're building it and they're trying to secure it right, <laughs> to yeah. for real real world use. It's close. Yeah, and for all the things, for all the dirty laundry that was aired about Tesla, at the same time, you definitely got to give the company props. I mean, Elon was at DEFCON. He's open sourcing stuff. He's actively trying to do something for the better. So it's not like they're they're producing shit and then trying to cover it up. It's they're trying to do the right thing at the end of the day, it looks like. Well, yeah. And also a lot of this stuff is stuff that just happens at other companies too. You just yeah. don't have, you know, they're not high profile enough or no one cares enough about them yep. uh, yeah, to okay. hear about it. But it's, it's shit that just happens at companies, period. And we're just yeah. attributed this because Elon's uh, fucking like social media monster. Yeah. <laughs> One of the uh, things I about it. Sorry, go uh, ahead. <laughs> no, I was just going to add to the Elon Musk at DEF CON thing. I think that was a very cool uh, – I, I don't even know what it is, a vote of confidence, really, to remind yeah. the hacking scene that um, that uh, the big boys care and uh, can make, and make time for hackers. And we, I think people forget the, where, where Elon come from. You know, he, he was part of our scene at one point. Yeah, yeah. I th it's uh, And he probably still is. You know, if you think about it, he probably still is on IRC and crap like that. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure. He's probably, I mean, it's, I don't know. I don't know. He's probably in our chat. He's probably, hi, Elon. Oh, <laughs> that's who that EM guy is. Yeah. 
<laughs> I All right. This year at Defcon though. But anyways. No, but, you know, like just one other point. One of the things I wanted to point out is that during the like series of these um, forum posts, he does uh, the guy makes out it, that there's a lot of different moving parts. So there's, he says there's a lot of Rails environments. There's Python, like Django environments, there's OpenStack environments, there's VMware environments, and they're all very spread out. And what it sounds to me like is that Tesla grew very quickly. They made a lot of different teams, and the teams were, like, because they have obviously different sites, were disjointed, and people at those sites did what they thought was best, and it may not have, like, come into line with the company. And I think this is pretty common amongst fast-growing companies that have a lot of different teams that are all IT teams. So the stacks don't align, and then we end up with, like, you know, like, this guy's complaining about it. But, I mean, that's actually a really hard problem to tackle. So Yeah, I agree, yeah. man. Um, so the next news story that we have in, in the, the queue here, um, I was interested in it because this was the active attacks have been detected um, using the new Apache Struts phone. Um, just because people were like saying that the Vuln that came out required a very specific configuration, which is like obviously true, but people are now actually, <laughs> I didn't realize that somebody had created an entire Struts uh, exploitation toolkit that combines all the CVEs and allows people to get to scan um, and actually hit some real targets. I love it. Can we you start know. off with like, get, take, get rid of Struts, just get rid of it. Yeah. yeah. I have, yeah, I'm going to retweet my thing. Murder struts before it murders you. So here's my deal. I'm going to predict right now. Experian, Equifax, uh, T-Mobile, all the the people that have been hacked in the past year or two that we've heard about, all the major breaches, just got fucking hacked again because they're still on struts. I guarantee it. Yeah. Yeah. Just Google for file type dot action and, and then, I don't know, file type dot action. Space yep. bank. That's it. Like the oh, thing is, though, like if you look at the the MITRE vulnerable, like you look at MITRE's history, right, and you look at the assigned CVEs against struts, and there's like four or five, ten out of ten CVSS uh, scored CVEs within a, a time frame of a little over twelve months. Yeah. Ten, there's four, like when you like you have one ten out of ten. That's fucking bad. That is bad. These are that's, back that, doors. That, that, These are back doors. Back doors, not right. Anyway, at this point, I I do wonder, how, like, do they just not have people dedicated to it at this point? And and it, it's an Apache module, right? Or how would you even describe it? And this is they get they get is, all this sort of stuff. It is like Apache. Red Hat security team looks at this. No, well, it, they, it's they also Red Hat to do it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, this, so so like. Here's the thing, like, so, like, all right, disclosure, I've been in Red Hat security, and, like, the guys there are very good, but there is only so much that people can do, and there's only so many people assigned to each product, and it takes being notified of a vulnerability because there's so much reactive work, and those guys uh, do do a lot of proactive stuff as well. But, I mean, with something like Struts, it's a case where it's a product that must be supported because all these big people are using it. Um, so to their credit, I mean, I think those guys do a great job of what they do. Wait, who, no bias. Struts? No, Red from, from Red Hat supporting oh. struts and part of JBoss and all that stuff. Okay. But it's a I, shit fight, but, 
But it doesn't it doesn't solely rely you can't solely rely on say that Red Hat have to do this. It it's gotta take reports, it's gotta take research, it's gotta take people sending those emails to Secular at Red Hat going, Hey, this part of Struts is screwed up, fix it please. And then there'll be an embargo period, it'll get fixed and stuff will happen. And it's the cat and mouse game that black hats and white hats played forever, you know? So I can remember Dave finding a couple of struts RCEs years ago. And he'd only been given a certain amount of time and he raised the bugs and said, I need to be, I need to look at this for months to find all the bugs. I found this in a few minutes. Yeah. Uh, right. But then he just got moved on to another project. And that's it. It's like, all right, fine. I'm it's, on testing some other stupid It's simply now. awful though. It is, at the bottom line, it struts is freaking awful. It's just terrible. Absolutely. Right. Patches becoming a bit of, uh, you know how Oracle went on a buying spree and they just buy things and just rebrand them Oracle and they don't do anything. They don't change any code. Uh, but they, they say this is up to Oracle security standards because it's got Oracle in the name. <laughs> yeah. But yeah it's, just right. a, it's just a couple of dudes in Bangladesh have wrote this code and they bought it. And, and it seems Apache's doing a bit of that. So they're getting these projects, renaming them Apache project. And that's it. it it's uh, giving yeah. it a, a false air of security. They really put well, a three-legged horse on this one because this freaking product is terrible. Struts is, is and will continue to be uh, the source of major breaches worldwide like until it's gone. The new Tomcat. Or, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's Tomcat. It's the same thing, really. Uh, honestly, I think, I think it's the case of Java web applications need to go... like Every Java web application, regardless of the framework that I've encountered, has some messed up... A fundamental issue with it that I've met, like, that I've seen, and I, I don't want to be a hater, but I am not a fan of Java, and I don't think anyone here. You have is to be an all, incredibly so. good developer to do Java properly, which is the irony because that's oh. not how they teach it at all. No, it's not. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's totally counterintuitive. Yeah, amazing. Because uh, don't worry about like memory allocation, but all that sort of stuff in C that's a that's a serious problem. Uh, it's all solved. So then they fall, they fail over on like fundamental things like writing a file to the Operating system, file system somewhere. Amazing. Um, dumb bugs, uh, because they're so lost in the Java world that they don't know anything about the underlying OS because they don't have to, right? It's portable. It's an yeah. yeah. So did they did they confirm that Struts was involved in one of these uh, Selco? Uh, so, yeah, um, that, that, that's a good transition into this. I didn't think so with the ones that we have here, specifically. So the next story we have. Is security researchers found bombs in AT&T, T-Mobile, and Sprint, but these were more like logical errors. So uh, two of them for AT&T and T-Mobile um, were an unlimited number of uh, attempts to guess pins in some online forms to get. Oh customers. my God! What? You like uh, basically brute force a, uh, a a pin with a, anyone's phone number and then gain access to their. They're like, I mean, it's, um, it's like it's bad enough already that you can do it manually uh, with a phone more dialing it. But if you're able to do it with like a burp intruder session, um, yeah, like, that's horrible. So the other one was uh, some similar, but for an admin internal staff portal at Sprint because um, it doesn't have 2FA and it had really easy to uh, guess usernames and password. Yikes. So, Bob yeah. Bob Watson? <laughs> <Some Zodiac. laughs> um, so the next one though was then I'm not sure if this is 
I mean, I'm sure it's related, but um, people had stolen uh, 2 million T-Mobile customer records. Um, but if you listen to this amazing spin, that's only 3% of their customers. <laughs> oh, is that how they responded? Yeah. <laughs> uh, they also, on this one is interesting as well, because they, they said that uh, certain things weren't disclosed, including passwords, yet they're using MD5. Now, I'm gonna, mm -hmm. let, let's just assume for a Wait, minute. Was it MD5, though? Or was this the base 64 one? No, this is Motherboard have said that it was MD5 on this oh, article. Okay. Right. Now, let's, yeah, just, let's just assume. Sorry, what was that? Well, it's secure then. Yeah, you know, like, it's like, so let's just assume they've salted it. They're doing multi-pass MD5, blah, 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 blah. Let's, uh, I mean, it's still not, you know, it's still MD5. <laughs> like, you can still throw your, like, your Bitcoin mining GPU rig your, or your Ethereum mining rig at it and uh, let it go for a little while and you'll probably still get something out of it. So to say that it was, they actually used the term encrypted. So the spokesperson said they weren't compromised, they were encrypted. Then it goes on to say that they were using MD5. So I think they should, first of all, uh, like most telcos, figure out the difference between uh, encryption and hashing. Let's, let's start Sorry, with that. Just to maybe. interrupt you there, can you please explain to an ignorant retard like me, what is the difference between encrypting and hashing? So if I'm encrypting something, right, and I'm using a key to encrypt it, I can reverse it back to what it originally was. The hashing algorithms are lossy. So that means that you can't reverse the mathematics that create the out the outer hash. What you can do, though, is you can brute force it and you can find that collision and then be like, right, well, if AAAAA equals this hash, then when I put AAA in and get this hash, then I know that it goes, that's, that's how you go backwards. prime numbers that you can't even guess them. It's controversial. Can I just say well, that my... Uh, I mean, that's how... My, I was going to say my one tweet that I wrote about Base64 encryption had so many people raging the fuck out, like, trying to tweet <laughs> explain that I was wrong, and it's not, like, oh, it was... But I, I find this to be a, 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 an academic semantics argument because from a practical point of view, hashing and encoding and encryption achieve the same thing, um, and the fundamentals in the abstract are the same so it's really a kind of a yeah, like point. a well, pleb tier argument for me like oh I mean, five is hashing and des is not well what really it's a it's a it's a non-clear text string produced from a clear text string but you can just traverse just there's, you can't oh, traverse a hash there's no way to take a hash and traverse it based oh, upon a key right. like you can with an encryption let me let me just give like a quick example the like key uh, is the I, hashing I, algorithm so by the way, this is literally my my Twitter notifications, but in audio form right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, let's just take quickly for an example. If you hash, a, if you encrypt a password with AES two fifty six, I've seen this in um, in the real in the real world. The, the dev has done that. They've got the AES key in a separate uh, SQL table. I had one SQL injection, and then I populated like a wish list on a shopping cart with the passwords and personal details of the users because, and had they have, had they have used hashing rather than encryption, that wouldn't have been possible. So, I mean, this is kind of like where you make these decisions and that's why they become part of policy um, to be, you know, to, to be implemented in tech. Like that's why you have a QSA that comes in as part of PCI compliance and says, Hey, are your passwords hashed or encrypted? They're supposed to be hashed full. Like, but, 
uh, to your point, are they the same? Is polymorphic the same as metamorphic? They achieve similar things, so, you know. Metamorphic. Uh, yeah, I can appreciate that. That not that I really like those trolls where you just use a word like base sixty four encryption and everyone loses their minds. Oh God, that was yeah, yeah, especially yeah. good one. <laughs> I got a lot of a lot of laughs from that one. So I am happy to hear that you did too. <laughs> yeah, that's the goal, right? Get the laughs. Walls for the walls. Oh, hey. Um, so the next one that we have on here is this mobile. This, this, Good, good title, clickbait title. Mobile's latest malware threat, the all-in-one Android Trojan. Um, this one basically just combines a bunch of stuff. It's like a banking Trojan, a keylogger, and ransomware um, all into one. Um, and so basically, uh, the way that this thing describes it is kind of funny, too, where it says, like, it's really hard to detect because everything's obfuscated. It's like it's malware. It's like it's not going to be, like, RC and C's over here in clear text. Like, um, but the thing that's interesting, though, is that it's it's um, basically a fake alert message um, that says the system is not working correctly and encourages users to, to disable Google Play Protect. And then um, it also tries to uh, – it basically just uses a bunch of fake system alerts to prevent you from understanding what it's doing and also to prevent you from installing it, too. This is kind of like uh, an infosec – uh, old El Paso ad, like, why not both? <laughs> Is that where that came from? Oh, I, I've been wondering. You know, it's been years now since that meme's been around. I'm like, where the hell was that actually from? Old El Paso. Yeah, it was about the, the soft shell and hard shell tacos. Like, why not both? Uh, what, what's Anyways, that was a horrible tangent. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> the interesting about this, though, is that like, what it does is it's, it's, it's trying to, it makes, your phone open up the accessibility settings and ask users to turn it on, um, which allows it to leverage any device permission without the need for user input, which I didn't oh. even know about as an attack vector. Well, that's super interesting. And it's I like do. a, it's one that you don't think about as security either. Cause like, if you're asking them to turn on microphone access, people yeah. are going to be like, Oh, my microphone's on. I don't want to do that. But if you're asking to turn on accessibility, First of all, it's a vague term, and then if it actually gives you all that other stuff by proxy, that's brilliant. I love it. Yeah. Hey, so I just want to – like, I know this isn't in the show notes, and I'm not sure if we co- – I don't think we covered it last week, but did we talk about, just in, in the context of this, the, the Fortnite installer for Android? No. What was that? Did, oh, okay. So. Yeah, yeah I, I, th- I thought this would be on the show notes. It wasn't. Um, so let, I'll just, I'm just going to quickly paste this first link from Google, and I hope it's the best one. It's in Gadget, so it might not be. Uh, let me paste this in the Twitch chat. There's been like an ongoing saga between the Fortnite team and Google where they're just yelling at each other. So basically, you install the, uh, the, Fortnite's and the Fortnite game, right? But it actually just installs like the equivalent of a dropper, but for, you know, installing a larger a larger game, it actually allowed any other Android app to then use its permissions to install its own, another app. So you could like chain app installs with like elevated permissions. Yeah. Based yeah. And uh, based on like this, this, uh, the Fortnite. And you know, like Fortnite is one of the most popular games on Twitch. It's really popular with kids. It's, you know, it's, it's got a whole shit ton of installs. Um, and I believe this has been patched in the new version. 
but the, it was the first version where you could basically, you know, have your malicious app being like, hey, drop in my more malicious app that has got root access and every permission. Yeah, and the, like, the thing about this is that developers like the Fortnite devs and whatnot are doing this in like the Apple Store and with, like the Google Store to like increase profits. They don't have to like, do the profit sharing with Google. And like, that's where it becomes like even more ridiculous. I thought that like the big talking point was like them going back and forth. So they're like bashing, like Google bash them for publicity, right? Of course, because it's an Android exploit that like no other. But what, what drove me insane is like, why don't you have the internal tools or why don't you do the internal testing beforehand on this stuff? Or like red team the shit out of your app before you release it on the store in the first place. That's what drove yeah. me insane. Well, yeah. I think the answer to that is that Fortnite, like PUBG, like H1Z1, like DayZ, all this stuff before it, uh, forever alpha cash grabs. Like, you got, that's the type of games we're talking about here. Like, you know, they come out, they get a huge market base, people get bored of them after a while, and a new one pops up. So I, I would say that's why their security is, you know, Yeah, it wasn't even thought, apparently, for the CEO, which is crazy. Yeah, exactly. Like, let's just pump out a game, make some mad cash, and get out. It's like a, it's the exit scam of like, like Minecraft. Yeah, dude, they're selling dopamine pixels. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh yeah. Actually, yeah, I just changed our uh, our um, game that we're supposedly playing on Twitch to Fortnite. So, if you came here for that, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But stick around. Yeah, we'll do a real tiny, tiny uh, picture-in-picture. Picture. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was interesting. Oh, actually, so uh, D&Z, actually, uh, the next story, I wanted to hear your take on it because you had shared a bunch of links about the SSH bug um, that had come up or that had been highlighted recently. Cool. So this is um, this particular bug, there's a couple of different CVs assigned to it, which was particularly 2018-15473. And basically, it's what, what people are calling user enumeration within OpenSSH, um, mm -hmm. which when it comes to SSH, it's a big deal because it's the one thing in most environments that is common. Um, however, looking closer at it, the, it's not specifically an enumeration. Like if we talk about enumerations, we're like, let's find a, um, a unique sorted list of user accounts on the machine that we're attacking. Um, this particular, this is this isn't the case with the open SSH thing. Um, it is if you have a list of users, then you'll be able to determine if a user does or does not exist on the box. But it's a little bit ex it's it, it's pretty noisy. So if you have something like um, fail to ban running against your uh, you know your SSH stuff, you'll automatically firewall off after a couple of attempts and sort of thwart this attack. Um, the response, in, the response from Damien Miller, who is actually speaking at RMIT in Melbourne on Friday, uh, at ruxmon.com, if you want details on that. Um, he basically said in the mailing list that they haven't treated it with an embargo and a security um, the same way they treat other SSH security bugs because they don't feel that this class of bug is as important. Um, but if you knew, say, for example, I knew your username that you use or a couple of different usernames, and I know that you have access to a box, I could narrow down which username 
you're using and then potentially use that um, in conjunction. Like it's unlikely to, that you would use like a, a brute force on SSH to get your password, but you might, now that you know that user exists, you can assume maybe that user has pseudo and use a different vector to possibly, you know, make use of that data. Yeah. Um, it then went on further as well. There's been examples now put out in uh, DropBear. DropBear is a little bit more interesting because it's more focused towards the embedded um, embedded land, so like IoT, uh, IPMIs, BMCs, IKVM, that kind of thing. Um, but as Wizzy pointed out on Discord, usually those uh, those type of machines really only have root and admin anyway, right? So. Um, does it does it tell whether or not the account has SSH access or whether or not the account exists on the system? Uh, that I actually don't know. Uh, I haven't launched this attack itself, but um, I mean, it could be useful in brute force attacks, like scans on DigitalOcean and such, just for you yeah. Know. I mean, yeah. When especially if you want to know uh, if a user, say, you've got, for example, let's just use AWS for an example. Um, you spin up a CentOS box, and the default user is EC2-user. And uh, yeah, you want you, all you want to know is um, is EC2 user a valid host on that box? Then you you can tell that. Um, but you wouldn't be able to you know you'd, you'd have to have EC2 user in your word list in order to achieve this pseudo enumeration. Is this just like a timing attack, or they just measure how long it takes to respond? Uh. Just trying to look through. I'm not exactly sure how they're doing it exactly. I didn't read the diff, but there is a patch out that um, prevents this already. So, but I can only imagine it, it being a pre-authentication attack. It has to be um, something, something either. It's like eighty lines or, of code. Yeah, it, it looks like, like it just sends a username and then. Uh, your mic is mad hot. <laughs> just to let you know. Yeah, it just checks the username right. and provides valid or not. Right. So yeah, so I guess it takes it to the next step of authentication if the username exists then, yeah? Yeah, no, it's interesting. Uh, I mean, some people have said that it's like not really that big of a deal because if you're using a key anyway, you're like fine. But I mean, not everybody does. And there's also, as you're saying, like AWS or other things that, you know, there are hard-coded hard -coded users that you know have root privileges in various services and it's all over the place. So if you can... Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and you, you might find out that you know you might find the name of the user who has pseudo through this, um, but then attack them through, a, like I said, through a different vector. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Like you can also figure out if they're on an SMTP server somewhere or some other mail server, any other way you can reach them. So. Yeah, or you can go attack their yeah. desktop directly and get their key and <laughs> then log in. You know which person to attack. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, what is it? I hunt sys admins was a, was a paper on that one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Good reason to layer your keys? <laughs> yeah. <Anyone? laughs> um, so the next, the uh, last little bit here we have, I didn't read it too much, but uh, it was, I just saw the actual funny part of it. It was um, about this Travis um, man in the middle RCE. Um, the, my takeaway from it was that somebody added their own key to the apt key ring through this, um, which is basically 
are they doing with this one? <laughs> Sorry. Okay, so, so this is this is a pet hate. Like, if you look at the line, I'm going to paste the line uh, specifically in, like, the, the line that's mentioned in this insert the Twitch yeah. as well. Dead boobs comes to mind. See, okay. see it is nasty. <laughs> look, look at the the ver after the final pipe. You'll see pseudo sh. They take yeah. whatever cut goes through the orc, you know, and into the pseudo sh, which is this is one of my pet hates. Is like curl pipe pseudo sh. Please yeah, don't okay. ever do this, you sons of bitches. <laughs> but um, what? But yeah, like, I mean, like installing brew. <laughs> yeah, like installing brew, installing oh. you know repos you know they want they want you to you know you they instead of editing your repos.d or whatever you know you have to go and have some curl script that checks to see if you're an checks to see if your id is zero before it will execute like <laughs> pointless things that you can do with your own brain yeah yeah it's incredibly like f user friendly and easy but it trains you to to not think about what you're actually doing and what you're actually doing is trusting that there's not an rmrf or worse in, uh, yeah. in something and I, I think travis is a good example because travis is is used extensively on github and i've had this fear of these types of systems for some time because with uh you know you're getting your github code whatever you push you can get executed on travis you're executing your code on a remote host it only takes one breakout of that sandbox that you're being that your build environment is in, in order to to escalate and then move through the system. And this is exactly the same with Jenkins, BuildKite, um, yeah. Concourse, like Nate, pick a CI/CD, same shit. Yep. And so like this is taking your your software delivery pipeline and base uh, like effectively having a supply chain attack. If you want to make the comparison to you know the being in the factory of where the phone's manufactured or whatever. It's the this is like the software equivalent. So you know you you get some one of these uh, RCEs, you pop the you you pop the CI/CD box, and then you inject your malicious payload into the assets, like into the artifacts which are created mm -hmm. at the end of the build, and then they get pushed to production. And then the developers don't know because it's not in Git. The CI/CD is assumed to be safe. And then all of a sudden you've got this uh, malicious code that makes it all the way into all, all the way into prod, and that's that's the scary thing, and that's what I've been afraid of for like some time seeing these systems. So yeah, here's a nice awesome. example. Just, just of, the great stuff, man. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, this isn't this isn't you know brain science. This isn't rocket surgery. This is you know. <laughs> did you purposely do that? Because if you didn't. That's awesome. No, I, if you did. That's even. That was I, I stole it. I stole it from somewhere. I like it. <laughs> well, what's interesting too is that this also mentions of, of putting the code in your user ID. Right. Um, that's like. Oh, I don't know. That's what's interesting is that like just your your you know unless you're checking who's in the you know keyring or whatever you're you know whatever you're looking from or whatever it's pulling data from that awk isn't even going to make any sense. Yeah. Right, and I think orc is uh, orc is another thing. Spe specifically, like BSD orc and like GNU orc and whatever. Like, there's subtle differences, and people who are, are good at orc are like masterful. But the problem is yeah. that only a few people are, you know, when it comes yeah. to the grand scheme of things. Orc can get pretty uh, pretty darn complicated. Orc can get pretty orc. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. But uh, <laughs> okay. I. I 
I'd always like to, I got told something when I was working in a job um, a while ago, I used orc and grep in the same one-liner and uh, I got scolded for being told that pipes aren't free. So that led me to go on and you know, learn orc. Well, pipes aren't free. Are free. <laughs> because back well, in university days, you had to pay for cycles and using extraneous commands, you know. They use extra yeah, CPU But this isn't the 1930s like uh, but, it was when but this was <laughs> That's what happens, you know, when you work with like a Stallman type character and you pipe grep to Orc and he says, you oh. know, you can just do that natively with Orc, you retard. Yeah, and, and then he you have to sort something of, off of you have his to... foot and eats it. To be honest, like, to, to be out on, to, to be totally honest, I think knowing Orc and being able to use it in your one-liners can be fine, but whenever you're writing any code, regardless if it's Orc, Python, Ruby, whatever, please write readable code that other people can audit later on and look at. That's I think that's a key takeaway from this. Yeah, I'd agree, at least for work stuff, you know. But if you're at home, use the hell out of pipes, I say, and don't eat stuff right. off your feet. Just don't, <laughs> don't eat your earwax like uh, James oh. Gosling of Oracle oh, or some. God. <laughs> well, well that being said uh, that ends our news segment so hey um but yeah um so a couple of little housekeeping things here so we i wanted to open it up to people who uh, we've, had, we've had a lot of people who want to come on and they have not been sure if they can fill up a whole hour which is fine because it's a lot of time to talk um so if anybody here is listening, um, I'll post this about this again on Twitter. If anybody wants to come on and talk for like five to fifteen minutes about a project they're doing or something they learned or a write-up they might have done and want to share, um, let us know because you can in this little space between uh, the news and our main topic, it's gonna be yours to share whatever you have. Um, so you don't have to come up with an hour presentation and and um, or not an hour presentation, but be prepared for an hour <laughs> thrilling by us. Um, yeah. So, um, Just, yeah. But if you do come on, you better not mess up. Yeah. <laughs> <I didn't know. laughs> There's no, no presentation. <laughs> totally joking. Yeah. Just make uh, it. Come and hang with us. It'd be yeah, fun. definitely. There's a lot of people who have really cool research, but are, are don't they are either afraid to share it or they don't think that they can fill up the time or they don't think that they're smart enough. All those things are completely not true. So you yep. guys, please join our Discord. Um, it's on our Twitter, um, if you, or thug, at Thug Crowd, so you can look at our link there and join us or just DM us or whatever. Um, the other thing uh, I wanted to bring up, because I realized it's actually a lot sooner than I thought, um, it's in two and a half months, and we have to get ready for it, is our 24-hour CTF marathon. Oh, yeah. So we're still looking for people yeah. want to come on. We have a solid uh, couple of people that are willing to be subjected to this and just having um having done the 24-hour exam uh i know that it is possible to stay up 24 hours and and break into stuff so mm -hmm. but, um i would definitely what we want to do is have all sorts of challenges that we can stream people doing at the same time and like if we live in a different you know part of the world than us um you know we all live in different parts of the world from each other we can schedule and stagger blocks of time um, but we're doing this for a charity. Um, it's uh, called Extra Life, and it's for um, children's hospitals. We're donating directly to the organization. 
So I'll post a tweet in here too. But I definitely just wanted to bring it up so you guys can look into it because we're going to try to do like blocks of like, say an hour, two hours for people to, you know, do a CTF style stream and you can work with others too and just have everybody kind of spend that time working on it. If they don't get it, you know, we can check back and then if they want to continue, but just literally just 24 hours of hacking. And so normally, normally people do this um, extra life thing and they stream games for charity, but we are streaming just hacking for charity. So, yeah. I mean, um, it, and so for the CTF style stuff, we can uh, get practice by doing stuff like uh, hack the box, right? Exactly. Hack the box. Also, if you guys are interested in flare on, it's fire eyes, really intense uh, reverse engineering CTF that's happening now. Um, just search. Nice. Flareon and FireEye, and you'll get to the, the latest one. It, it, it's spelled like Flareon, the Pokemon, so I like it. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, but, That's great. But there's a bunch of different cool challenges you want to get practice, or if you are new to CTF and just want to try and be, you know, get potentially do something on stream with us, then you're more than welcome to come in too. We've been slowly amassing a lot of resources to just unload on people when they uh, join and ask, hey, how do I get started with like X, Y, or Z? Yeah, just don't start with RE. Yeah, please. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, unless you really are good at RE. Then... But yeah, yeah uh, it's it, it. If you don't feel like your talent or skill is up to par, you're wrong. You are definitely an asset. So come on board. Don't don't be scared off by it. It's first all about big assets. Well, assets the wrong. That asset. <laughs> Shake that asset. So yeah, I think, well, okay. I, I think if we can make, I, if I had one thing I could teach hackers in my entire life and be proud of, it's it always turns out to be way easier than you thought it was. Depressingly yeah. easy. Yeah, it's like very true. like like Apple like MacBook Pros. You just smash a bunch of keys and it drops you to a root shell. <laughs> <laughs> You just pass out, yeah. down on the keyboard, and own it. Just yeah. by <laughs> I almost just bit. I, I would say there's a lot of people in here that have like um, bitten off something. Like it felt like they've bitten off something more they, than they can chew. Like sorry, more than they can chew. They've taken this huge bite of a technical thing that they don't understand, and they're bashing their head against the keyboard, thinking, "Why did I do this?" And then it just clicks, and then it's like, "Oh wait, this is actually super simple. I'm an idiot. Oh lol, look, I got root." And, yeah, and the cool thing about this one, the 24-hour uh, gauntlet, is that we're all going to be together kind of doing it. So you can ping somebody and be like, hey, I'm kind of stuck on this thing. I'm halfway through it. And uh, the collaboration on CTF-style CTF stuff is awesome. I got to yeah. say, it's really, really fun to have other people to bounce stuff off. So come mm -hmm. have fun with us, for sure. Yeah, or just chill and learn. We'll literally just be doing it like this, the way we're doing it now. But we'll just have we'll have our chats in the corner, and we'll have a screen instead of the Doug Crowd logo, and we can yes. just keep everybody on as they go through. Um, and While we're on the topic of um, unrealistic uh, hacking scenarios being too hard, <laughs> can we can we shit on can we shit on OSCP for a second? Because <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I've been watching this kid, and he's world class, and he did absolutely everything correctly, and they still didn't pass him on his OSCP. And now about? I'm thinking, hang on a second. There's a few people that have actually failed recently that I, 
that I know got like a lot of points and they would have passed had they like, I don't want to name any names because I don't, I don't want anyone to like uh, get outed if they didn't want to be shared. But yeah, definitely it's been interesting seeing some people getting like over yeah. the amount of points and failing on some unknown. I'm, I'm getting suspicious that, uh, that, that they're, I mean, offensive security is, is trying to change these rules saying we, we want to watch you in a webcam remote. We want to see everything you're doing. We don't want to make sure people aren't cheating, but they don't want to spend any money like a real certificate uh, and have trainers on site, you know, in facilities and rent yeah. rooms. Um, and I'm just my uh, my uh, snake senses are tingling that somebody's out for money. And there's a different yeah, agenda. Like, well, think about it. Like, I saw somebody fail off a typo on a report. And if it's a typo on a report, you would think that they would say, "Oh, it's a typo. You don't have to pass again. We'll go ahead Wait, and pass it." They yeah. they failed only because of a typo. Yeah, because of a typo on a port. Oh, that's well, kind of shit, yeah. I mean, I, I think if you look at uh, a lot of the other services like Cisco, Red Hat, fucking Juniper, whatever, you have to go to a certified lab room and do the lab part yeah. there, right? Yeah, I've flown over common. to the US multiple times to get certified um, in things that are nowhere near as widely recognized as OSCP. Um, so if they want to grow up and be a big boy certificate, then I think they're going to have to start spending some money and doing it professionally. Because agree. otherwise, Agreed. otherwise, you know, I'm going to start exposing Mossad Linux to what it is and rip offensive security. Well, uh, <laughs> there's another rabbit hole that we should not go down. Uh, with that? Yeah. So, um, so yeah. Um, the last little thing I have here. Um, thanks for that, Faith, by the way. Um, the last little thing that I have is um, if anybody is interested in doing um, an interesting reverse engineering project with Game Boy and Pokemon and some really weird stuff, we got a new project going on in our Discord. So please join and we'll brief you um, when you get in. <laughs> That's all I can say. I have a really hilarious, completely off topic thing if somebody oh, wow. wants something out of left field. Hey, this. Yeah. Mike works this time. Hey. Yes, do it. That's amazing. So, well done. Isn't that great technology? So, um, here's a, a fun, a fun question. I'd like to pause it to the audience. Is sure. there a, is there a legitimate, likely in Latin term, uh, in psychology, um, or sociology that defines the practice of purposefully disseminating information to people that is ac accurate and true, but just missing a couple of pieces? For the purposes of inciting effectively a riot, uh, quite a lot of that. Are you referencing my? Are you referencing my Twitter account? What the fuck? Dude? <laughs> I'm I'm referencing <laughs> just Twitter in general. But like, <laughs> the, the what I have noticed in in the very recent like months on the Twitters is that there is this abject unwillingness to exercise even the faintest muscle of critical thinking. Like at no yeah. point. Do people understand that it is plausible that they're not getting the full picture? Like, if you want to incite a riot, you just make some sort of myopic political statement or some sort of statement involving whatever's in the news. Doesn't even matter what the topic is, and people go yeah. completely batshit foaming at the mouth, crazy. Yeah, is this yeah, the, the, the Onion does what? like, uh, well, I mean, you could call it fake news, but the Onion mastered this a long time ago. We all laughed, like, oh my god, I can't believe people think this is a real headline. It's a comedy newspaper. Well, no, no, I don't mean, I don't mean like satire or like people stretching the truth. I mean saying like, um, 
uh, like I don't know. Let me. Like, I'll just invent something on the spot. So let's just say, like, so Tesla's been getting a lot of bad news uh, recently, especially if holy shit, if you guys saw that thread that came out a few days ago about the ex Tesla employee that yes. was like, oh my god, um, that's a so whole good. other like three hour rant session. But um, imagine um, somebody saying saying something to the effect of, oh yeah, like this thread came out, and some people figured out a way to to gain remote code execution on a Tesla and targeted a specific person and um, was able to get somebody's car to veer off to the to one side while on the freeway and it caused this huge pileup. Oh my God, Teslas are insecure. Teslas blah, 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 blah. And then like a week later, it is revealed, oh, the person that did that was actually like an employee who had access already and there wasn't an actual security problem because the person that did the thing had access to it the entire time. So like one in little the, fact um, completely changes the light the, and the, the, the spirit of the whole story. You know, it's in interesting. the finance world. There's a there's a term called up ramping and down ramping, um, which is where you you go into a business forum comment section of a newspaper, AFR, Financial Times, something like that, and you shill against or for a company, and they hire teams of trolls to do this because big boys have shorted that company stock or gone yeah. long in that company stock. But it even, and this is how the world works. The uh, idea of that even extends into things like uh, zines, right? Like there's things that can be presented in a way that's factually accurate, but the fact that maybe somebody already had access to it because of friendships, things like that, like that yeah, stuff's yeah. left out in order to create a narrative. I think it's yeah. really just kind of narrative creation, right? Like yeah, that. that concept. I mean, it's. I guess the 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 point that I'm trying to get to is like, it would appear that uh, today in 2018 on on the general internets, when we are jogging around on our internet mobiles, um, not a lot of people exhibit that extra little flake of curiosity that the brain that says. Maybe there's something I don't know. Maybe there's some extra piece of information that I haven't been told. And maybe I shouldn't scream about it. Like, think of it this way. So, like, yeah. here's a really great example hard, that's though. like, wait, wait. That's kind of election hacking, man. That's a perfect example. Yeah. yeah, that's a great example. Thinking is hard, though. Like, here, here's a really simple, completely, like, benign example, right? So, a few months ago, I was at LAX, and I was picking up several friends. And I'm sure everybody has seen those. This is not a sticker. Or, I'm sorry, this is not a sticker. This is not a... They have those, too. This <laughs> is not a camera one. sticker. Ours from here in San Diego had uh, stickers made that said, this is a camera. So, now we are all rolling around with, this is not a camera, and this is a camera stickers that are almost the same, but they're slightly different aspect ratio and the font is slightly different so i'm we're, st we're stood in the baggage claim at lax waiting for a bunch of people to get off various planes to like shuttle them around town and uh, we're there for like two hours so i put both of these stickers on one of those little like if you go to the media tab on my twitter feed and you hold page down for a while you'll find it it's like uh those um receptacle covers that like where a plug would go like an like electrical outlet except it's stainless steel and it's just got a tiny little hole in the center with what looks like some kind of infrared led or infrared um um Aguari. photo like photo diode um, <laughs> it's like broadcasting ir or receiving ir but like it's this little nondescript dot and there's no label there's no switch there's no button or anything so i put both this is a camera and this is not a camera I took a picture of it with both stickers and I put it on Twitter and I just said something to the effect of like, what the hell LAX? <clears throat> and what happened 
spawned with people I've never met or spoken to in the past arguing with each other about which one was the real sticker. One of them <laughs> had to be the real sticker and the other one had to be a fake sticker. And I just let it go. And like at no point did these people realize, could it be possible that I put both stickers on the thing? No, no, that, that thought never fucking crossed their mind. They just wanted to have a fight on the internet. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, what? seriously? It was AI. Yeah. It sounds like that identical twins logic puzzle from, like, class, from school. Of, like, the one always tells the truth, one always lies as well. But oh, yeah, yeah. I do get it, though. That's It's it's hard because it's information overload, and people want, people have the selection and confirmation bias. That's just human nature. And so you're exploiting that by then sort of um, depressing factoid in this in this uh, theme. Um, I was recently talking to Zora, um, one of the people that runs the scavenger hunt at DEF CON. Yeah. And this year at DEF CON, she said that she was practically depressed about it, that people refused, like people when I, the general public attendees of DEF CON <clears throat> would approach the scavenger hunt table and basically complain that there was no that would complain that there wasn't a badge or a sticker or a plaque or something that came along with participating in the scavenger hunt and people refused to participate in the scavenger hunt. Um, well, that kind of goes to the whole thing where people were, yeah, in general complaining that they're like badge life and stuff like that, where they don't get the, uh, they don't get that little extra thing to actually hold on to it. And they're not living in the moment, right? Can I just start quickly go? I just want to point out, like yeah. you, when you were like one one person, one person tells the truth and one person always lies. You're like, yeah, I heard about that in school. Like, I remember that from like Labyrinth, David Bowie, but whatever. I've never heard. Yeah. of it. I mean, it's definitely interesting. <laughs> um, and it's I not, feel like Twitter is a great uh, theater for it to play out on. But I just noticed the time though. It's ten forty-five, and we really should talk to Wayne ID, who is here. Yeah. Hey, hey, what's up, going? guys? Welcome. Hey, hey, guys, what's up? Uh, we're just uh, chit-chatting. <laughs> but oh, um, yeah. thanks, for, thanks for coming to hang out, though, um, because we've... So I'd, I saw Hacker Warehouse at DEF CON, and I started watching some of your videos, and I don't know, I like the whole setup, and was excited to chat with you. Awesome. No, no, thanks Thanks for watching the videos. I'm. It's kind of funny sometimes when I meet people, they're like, oh, hey, you saw the videos. I'm like, really? Wow, people watch that stuff. That's that's great. No, no, it's been pretty fun. Um, I definitely didn't make a presentation for this though, so you're gonna be okay. disappointed. No, yeah. you you know what? Honestly, you it's you have the floor. You you can talk. <laughs> up, you, can, you can show whatever you need to. Anything you want. Um, just uh, we're here. So I guess Sick. take it away if you want to introduce yourself and kind of get into what you wanted to say. Um. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, um. So thanks for inviting me. I think. Um, yeah, I think I met NotPike there as we were looking at some RF equipment. And I was like, hey, this is a cool RF amplifier. And he was there to buy an LNA. And, and I was like, yeah, you know, I got a VNA at home and we can work on it. And he's like, oh, I got a VNA right here. <laughs> so he just pulled it out of his backpack and we started looking at it. And he's like, yeah, check out this antenna I made. And I'm like, holy crap, I just retweeted your stuff the other day. That's you. And uh, so we started talking and then this whole thing came up. Um, but yeah, so basically, my day job is uh, I'm an engineer and I work on wireless locks and I've been doing that for like 13 years. So mm -hmm. from the very first, uh, I was lead on one of the very first commercial locks that rolled out like in 2009. 
and we were throwing Lantronics modules on wireless locks like back in 2005. Um, back when those things came out. And then probably more recently, uh, in 2013, um, we rolled out a Bluetooth lock called Kivo. So you've probably seen that around. And it's kind of funny. I was looking at your uh, forum last night, and like when I pop in the hardware section, like that was like the first question. Someone's like, hey, do you, anybody know anything about Kivo? So yeah, if you have questions about it, um, we can answer those tonight. Yeah, and Twitch, then, um, twitch.tv, dump your questions in there, and we'll uh, get them answered. Yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, obviously, you know, there's, I have like so many NDAs, I can't really talk to my wife anymore. So there's a lot of stuff <laughs> I can't talk, talk about. So, um, yeah. And then the whole Hacker Warehouse thing is kind of funny little story. It came up on a fluke where um, one of my coworkers, another engineer, like texted me one night. He's like, hey, man, I was trolling Craigslist gigs and I found this you might like. And my first reaction was like, dude, why are you trolling Craigslist gigs? <laughs> yeah, that's the wrong section. <laughs> yeah, that's like, hey, I know what happens there. And, and the second thing, it was like, do you like to talk about hacker stuff? Uh, do you like wireless? It was like audition. And I was like, well, you know, I've done some marketing stuff for um, for my company. So, yeah, let's give this a shot. And so I went in and auditioned with uh, Garrett and the Hacker Warehouse team. He is a genius and he's built an awesome thing there. And so now I get to play with cool stuff and come up with... Um, with episodes for it and it's just been really fun like you're getting to build like how to decode pogsag still 20 years later that thing is still crackable and make a show about it so So, uh, you said hacker warehouse right and what uh where can people find that yeah so hackerwarehouse.tv is the name of the youtube channel so head over there and and check out we've made like 20 plus videos i think so far fantastic um and it's more, it's, it's more about the products. So like if you go to Hacker Warehouse and you check out all the different products, it's kind of like how to use them, how to set them up, that sort of thing. Um, yeah. Yeah, I saw an, um, a music player for Raspberry Pi, and that was like very intriguing. And I was just thinking, man, if you could just add a simple Bluetooth module to this, it'd be an awesome little car cruiser. Yeah, I mean, there's so many cool things. And there's even some stuff you know, he's got that they haven't even played with. I think the most popular video has been like the RFID stuff, right? So the Proxmark. And um, coming from the lock background, like I've I've built a lot of RFID locks in the past, and yeah, there's a there's a lot of um, vulnerabilities right with RFID. So we kind of have a policy going forward now, like don't build a lock that has RFID in it. It's oh, just wow. a bad idea. Interesting. Yeah. So you guys have have pretty much just across the board decided let's not use this technology in locks anymore because of yeah, the- like if you look at the yeah, so the last three DEFCONs, yeah, Prox is dead. Like, I mean, 125 kilohertz Prox is um, very, very vulnerable. And even with the 13.56 stuff, like unless you're using secure elements and, and multi-class so, type, yeah. What makes it uh, not, not secure? What makes it vulnerable? Um, because usually a product or, or a thing is vulnerable because of either either it's fundamentally built improperly or clear text or something like that, or it's just not configured properly. Is it because the protocol is built badly or is it because configuration is too hard? Uh, So it's because the protocol is outdated and and that's a function of where are the tools at? Like it, so the, we look at the tools all the time, right? So look at the Proxmark. It's super advanced. I remember when the Proxmark first came out. And I'm, yeah. This is like 2009-ish. It was like a blog. 
and they started talking about it. And I remember like raising the flag back then, like, Hey, this is going to be a thing <laughs> and we need to get our hands on one of these. Cause this is bad. And you know, years went by, years went by. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It became a thing. <laughs> and, and now it's like, Hey, you can buy one for, you know, a couple hundred bucks and it can break a lot. So maybe don't make devices that use that anymore. Interesting. <laughs> So have you found any, and I'm guessing the answer to this is no, but it, it sounds like you guys went and did your due diligence and there's really just nothing secure enough to, uh, to meet your standard of, uh, of security in any kind of RFID spec at the moment. Yeah, I wouldn't say any of them, but like um, for procs, like basically it works off a card serial number, right? So if you already know that the thing can be hacked, like that's in the development process now, that's like part of the design It's like, Hey, we're going to build this thing and we're going to devote like two years of our life or whatever the product cycle is to it. So we don't want to make garbage. So you know, don't make something that can be hacked um, easily. So, right. I mean, if it's really hard and that's one thing, but. So what do you do so, instead of uh, RFID then? What did you guys uh, land on? Well, I mean, so we have different projects, but like mainly now I work on Bluetooth. And so the first thing everyone thinks of is like, obviously Bluetooth could be hacked, right? Sure. But if you go back like DEF CON 21, 22 in the wireless village, like when BLE first became a thing, um, you know, we went there and like, okay, what are the, what are the tools that people are using? You know, what's the right way to do it? What's the wrong way to do it? And so early on, we just partnered with a good team um, out of Florida and on the design side, started designing it. And then we hired um, some of the speakers from Wireless Village um, that were doing BLE research, which you guys probably know, but I don't think I can say their names. We hired them to like check it out and make sure it was solid. Great. So uh, we got a question from Twitch. Now I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to assume this is probably going to end with the, I am under NDA. Um, sure. Russian Cowboy Elite asks, uh, what was the worst des design decision in Kivo, in your opinion? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> um, what was the worst design decision? Um, design decision in what, by the way? It's just... Uh... So we're on. Yeah, so page. it's... Yeah, it's I'm one lost of the as shit as far yeah, as what you guys are talking about. It's like well, yeah, start... I get it, but damn, I don't know like the stack or what you guys are running, so this is really confusing. Yeah, <laughs> that's it, how I it, felt when you were talking about software. So that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> he's actually uh, he's elaborated the question like or any wireless lock that you can talk about. So if, okay, if you yeah, talk about something you've got. Yeah, so let's do that. Um, yeah, I I will talk about a lock that I worked on for like government cards, right? So. I used to work for a company and we made like military base cards to get in military bases. And some of those readers, right, they go to like super FIPS 201 slash FIPS 140-2 certified like crypto stuff. And so the reader could go up to like this level five, say, of security, right? It was called like exclusionary zone security. Military grade. Military grade, which, yeah, still use that term, right? <laughs> and one of the design decisions basically of the customer uh, was like, hey, maybe uh, it takes too long to get through the door. So could you possibly dumb it down? And we're like, eh, 
are you sure you want to do that? Because like, you know, you got four levels here you can deal with. Uh, really wouldn't want to include that level of security. But um, sometimes they're like, yeah, we go ahead and put that level in there so that we can make it super convenient for some people to get in. So I would say like having to probably dump down the product uh, because of a customer requirement sometimes is, is a poor design decision, but it's kind of dictated by the customer. Yeah, that's very scary. From like, uh, I guess from a designer perspective, when you're building something like that into a lock and saying, hey, this is, I made this specifically to not do this. Uh, well, specifically because it's a lock, you know, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> anything else like, okay, the app developer for the flowers delivery service wants it to be a little less secure. Okay. But we're talking yeah. about an actual security device itself. Yeah, that's kind of yeah, it was. And like, I think that ex specific example was like, they said, hey, we want to buy this, uh, the same product, but like for our lunchroom, we don't want to have like triple validation to get to the lunchroom. So we want it to be able to run like, you know, single off prox type functionality. So they had their use case that makes sense. But, you know, from a design perspective, when you're laying it out on paper, it's like, oh, this doesn't make a lot of sense. So, um. I guess, like, so how much do you have to do, like, like, do you have a lot to do with the Hacker Warehouse store or just really the YouTube stuff? Uh, really the YouTube stuff. And I guess you guys are covering topics that, like, you know, that are obviously sold on the, the store. It's usually the, the hardware that you guys, that, that is being sold, like, like Garrett's off selling is what you, got, what you get to play with. Yeah. So yeah. with that stuff, like, what would you say, like, because, like, I, I bought a bunch of stuff from there, like, you know, Proxmox, Ubertooth, uh, Blade RFs, Porter Packs, all that stuff, all the good stuff. Um, yeah. But what would you say is, like, the most underrated tool that is, like, that you find in the, like, that you find is in the arsenal that other people don't seem to be using? I would personally, so I'm kind of an RF guy by background. So mine's the Porta Pack, like all day long. I love that thing. I take it with me like everywhere I go. Like it's in my car right now. Yeah. You saw that uh, Pike put some, uh, you know, had some firmware modifications that are pretty funny on Twitter, right? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know which. Wait, which one? Yeah, what are you talking uh, about? Ah, uh, he just he had some of his images up. Um, you know, the images used for his uh, Iridium antenna were displayed on the Porta Pack screen and stuff. I just thought it was pretty funny. Oh, so oh, no, I, I didn't see the Iridium stuff. I haven't seen that. No. I yeah. That oh, yeah, the Iridium, yeah. the Iridium one's amazing. But I wanted to know, so for people who don't know, what is this device that you are talking about, and what does it do? Oh, cool. Yeah, so uh, the Port-A-Pack was made by Jared Boone. Um, and I remember when he first brought the prototype into Wireless Village. Like It was like DEF CON 22, I think. And he's like, hey, look, guys, I took a, port of, I took a HackRF, which is, a, which is an SDR radio. It goes to like 6 gig. And he added this, uh, basically it's a jog wheel, like off an old iPod, and he put an LCD with it and some like IF input output at the bottom. And then it's got, uh, oh wait, I'm thinking, so basically it's an add-on for the HackRF that shows you visually uh, a little screen. So you can have like a portable spectrum analyzer, you can put some custom firmware on it. Um, there's one image called Havoc, which um, I think the readme says don't use it, we never have. And it does a lot of clever things. So it'll put it in a yep. transmit mode, receive mode. It's pretty awesome. That's a pretty funny I think uh, the Havoc yeah. has yeah. some stuff in there for uh, decoding a few protocols that may have uh, 
vendor association with the Moonstool, I think, is the reason we don't use it. Um, but it also has the headphones port as well, which is super handy, right? So you just, like, when you're scanning, you, you like, plug my headphones in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's replaced all my scanners. Like, I used to have, like, modded, you know, scanners like you used to do back in the day. And it's just, it's a one little tool that I keep in my, uh, keep in my car all the time. Yeah, I think uh, it's pretty popular. There's actually a scavenger hunt that runs here, run by the Cyber Spectrum Melbourne Meetup um, that, that uh, Pam O'Shea does. And she, yeah, they, they walk around with quarter packs and directional antennas and, and, and find stuff with them. So it's a very, very cool device. Yeah, yeah. We've actually talked about doing a, um, a video. So we haven't done a lot of like on-scene videos, but it, you know, using Blue Hydra and and the porta pack per se you could you could do a fox hunt at like a bigger scale right so the fox hunt mm. at defcon this year was pretty awesome it was across like three different hotels but we'd like to do one where it's like i find a person on the beach given like a 10 mile square foot area That's and just cool. go like old school war driving until you get close to them and then hunt them down that sounds really that, fun that sounds similar that that's what i'm into yeah yeah, cool you called it blue something what uh what was that yes yeah, so blue hydra doesn't necessarily run on the porta pack but uh blue hydra we did a video about it's a nice gooey put on a raspberry pi uh you could use an uber tooth or like a regular bluetooth dongle with it and it'll basically sniff out all the bluetooth devices in your area and i think we added a little uh python script where you could put in a specific id and then oh, do a trigger cool. when that person got within a certain rssi Oh, so um, you could like put your boss's watch in there, and when he got close, he would alert you. That kind of thing. That's, I, wow. Okay, I've been actually so I I'm not extremely well connected to a lot of this info yet, because um, you know time constraint. But that is exactly something I've been looking for. So I'm gonna check that out. Uh, Blue Hydra. That sounds like a yeah. fun uh, little project. Thanks for that. I'm nearby. Yeah. Yeah, so it's been a fun journey, kind of like doing the uh, engineering stuff by day and then the hacker warehouse stuff uh, on the side. And we've done like maybe every month we'll get together and we'll we'll uh, record a few shows and then um, just wait until I get a phone call from Garrett. And if he wants to make some more shows, then, then we do it. <laughs> what do you think is some of the most interesting stuff you've seen coming out uh, recently that... Um that really caught you by surprise and, and delight? <laughs> um, probably like the last couple of years, just the explosion of like candy buggers for all of the auto hacking stuff. Oh, okay. Um, like I felt like that, you know, that's been around a while, but there was very few like candy bugger tools. And then all of a sudden, you know, now it's in all the badges and you can get them all over the place. So that kind of caught, I think me by surprise. Nice. So uh, I noticed the Proxmark, I was watching the, the Kickstarter for it, the RDV4 kit is out now. Um, I've got the, like the, the three, I think, is the one before it is sitting in front of me now. Like what, what uh, extra features, like cool stuff, can, that, uh, can the RDV4 do? Yeah, so I'm going to, I haven't got to play with it yet, but what I've seen is it's more covert. Like, and even the Proxmark 3 was very covert. But right, the yeah, Proxmark yeah. 4 is like even smaller. It's like a pack, a deck of cards. 
Yeah, I found that like uh, when you have it battery powered and you're able to palm it like you know a magician would a playing card like you know that size, and it, it's a lot easier to sort of you know um, bump into people um, when you when you're on a engagement. Oh yeah, yeah, and the whole fact like the Proxmark three by itself, whenever you scan a card, it automatically emulates the card. Um, that's pretty awesome. And so I don't know if they did any updates to that, but you don't any longer have to go program yet another card. It just turns into a card by itself. So that's pretty cool. When you're programming a card per se, like what languages do you use? What are you writing stuff in or what utilities are you, you know? Yeah. Utilizing? So you can, um, you connect to it directly. Like it has its own little command prompt type okay. language. So it's kind of like, I don't know if it's directly Python or C, but uh, you tell it like, hey, I want to write. You tell it the type of card. So you'd say like it's a, um, don't want to mention any names here, but it's a type of card and what protocol it is. And then you kind of cut and paste the data that you read off of another card into it. And uh, we, <laughs> yeah, we use it to like copy pool keys because we lose them all the time. So that's like <laughs> at the very lowest level stuff you can do. Uh, yeah, it's pretty awesome. Um, I noticed as well, like one thing that we talk about a lot is uh, that there's alternatives to a lot of the more expensive um, uh, pocket routers that are around. And uh, like on like one of the other devices you guys have as well is like a TP-Link mm -hmm. router um, that easily runs OpenWRT and gives you the entire hacker tool set that you could want on like a a router that fits in your pocket you can throw in your luggage and take away i mean that's like definitely if people don't know about those they should definitely look at those yeah i think we um there's a video we have that uh kelsey did so I, her name's on there um so it's interesting she did uh, a video for us on it was like the pocket vbn or it was one of those pocket routers um yeah she's an amazing uh, electrical engineer um and so she was able to talk the tech speak and kind of get through that episode. So um, you should check that out because there is one about the pocket routers. Is there a documentation for the Proxmark 3 RDV4 somewhere? I believe there's a wiki. Yeah, there's a wiki else for the Proxmark 3 RDV3, but there is uh, like nothing for the 4 at all. Mm, yet. Yeah, I'm not aware. Yeah, okay. Uh, I was just out of curiosity. Um, was hoping that maybe there was like an episode that you may have done that covers how to use it, or if there's like a documentation, like a PDF or something like that, um, that describes what the differences between the three and the four are, and how to use the four versus the three. Yeah, I, I gotta be honest. I have to give Garrett a call. Yeah, that'd be good because I actually held off buying one so far because uh, I didn't. It wasn't immediately uh, obvious what benefits and what usage things were available for it. So have one. Cool. It's sitting on my coffee table, and I have no rifle clue how the fuck to use it. <laughs> yeah, like, I know I want one, and I know it would be useful. I just, uh, it would be cool to actually get that documentation, though. Yeah, I, I do think the, the thing that attracted me the most to it was the, the, the claim that it could operate entirely free of a phone or a computer. And I'm pretty sure I've seen the three do that in the past. Oh, yeah, mine does that. So I'm Possible. sure they can continue. But there's no yeah, like. So wait, Viz, you have a three or a four? Uh, I have the four, the brand new one. Oh, cool. And it's uh, great, yeah. but I just, I have no idea how to use the thing. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, let's... Uh, like, there's no quick start guide. There's no one pager. And if you ask Twitter, like, 
please help have a new toy need like bullet points. Yeah. You get an army of people saying, go look through the wiki and you go look through the wiki and there is Archie nothing about the four. It's all... <laughs> and I do. I yeah. tried looking at the wiki, but like there is right. nothing that specifically describes this device. It describes the previous device, which that's yeah. great. But like I plug the thing in and there's a button and I press the button and the lights do things. Oh yeah. Yeah. But no, I have no idea what it is. What was that? This is a bunch of googs. <laughs> yeah. So I was on. I was. I guess I'm ho hoping well, that the there first was time some I, like, like the first time I played with the Proxmark three, I had exactly that reaction. I'm like, I'm hitting this button, it's blinking at me, and then by the time we were done with the episode, I felt like a master of the Proxmark three. So <laughs> yeah, try like try follow like do the wiki, and maybe they're exactly the same. Like it's very possible it's exactly the same. Yeah, I got the impression that a lot of the basic stuff is the same, and I'm gonna imagine even the standalone mode is pretty similar uh, button pushes to the three. But um, I mean, this is yeah, this is kind of cool to to see that it is a guerrilla project. Like this is obviously a piece of hacking gear, and with hacking gear comes the pros of being right on cutting edge, but there might be some issues with uh, coordination of documentation, but that'll be cleared up within the next month or so, I would say. I can't imagine it's not going to be yeah. ever documented. Well, it's pretty know? cool that a piece of hacking gear can like seriously change the access control industry. Like yeah, From my exactly. perspective, like wow, someone made a piece of gear, it lowered the bar so low that it was easy to hack all this RFID stuff. So now it forces manufacturers to raise the bar. So cool. I have a I have completely fictional story that I'll mention real quick, and it's uh, <laughs> with the Proxmark three. I actually uh, I have a video allegedly um, doing a pen test on some physical stuff that was me going through gates with my car and really really cool high security level stuff, uh, and it was all made possible just by cloning badges with the Proxmark. Um, so this area of, uh, of technical security stuff, um, RFID and all that is super interesting and it'll never not be fun. So I guess I'm just throwing it out there. If yeah. anybody's listening and wants to get into it, you should, cause it is fun. Like just as a, like, so my first use of the Proxmark was on an engagement where I had to, 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 to use it. And, uh, I never used it before. I just knew that there's this access control system and whatever. And through uh, the, t I think the tool set was included in Kali, and I updated it. And I was like, you know, I don't even use Kali, but I'm on this engagement, so I've got Kali running in VM. And uh, I, I quickly figured out uh, the access control system, and then found that the actual cards, the swipe cards, were also used in another location for a, another device. Um, and while because of the, the access control system, I wasn't able to specifically clone the, the cards for the entrance, um, like in, to, for doorways, because I didn't have a, the, the master key and I didn't have the opportunity to, to you know, um, capture a swipe. But what I found was that the, the user ID of the card, the, the, the serial of the, of the ID, was a, a well-readable field in LDAP. So I was able to target a user just write that part to the card and then go up to this other system that didn't that also didn't have access to to the master key and it only performs the first part of the handshake and then if that passes that's okay 
Oh, that's and, super interesting. I like stuff and like just that. Like, yeah, with with no knowledge of how to use this Proxmark and no knowledge of ever doing any of this stuff before, I was able on, you know, I think the first or second day of the engagement to get it done and get her done and put something in a Word document for someone else to read. That's yeah. pretty cool. <laughs> hey, hey, it's crazy, too, then. Like, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, yeah, absolutely. You go ahead first. <laughs> well, it's, it's pretty cool that, like, the card reader, right, is, like, the very end point of the whole system. And at the card reader's going up to a controller, right? And then the controller's making a call to a database somewhere. So we've had just playing jokes in the office type thing. I've been in a lab in building A and like some engineer comes up and taps me on the shoulder and he's like, hey man, what's up? And I'm like, hey, uh, what are you doing here? He's like, oh, I just broke into the access control system through the SQL database, made myself <laughs> a card and thought I'd let myself in. Yeah, and he's like, awesome. oh, <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, so we need to look at that. One thing I've always heard about, and uh, and and it's always been a thing um, with with this area is the ability to put a SQL injection statement in, um, usually with the uh, magnetic stripes. I don't know if um, it's even something that you can really do with RFID. I'm guessing you can some way, but have you actually seen that done uh, firsthand? And if you have, uh, is it? Is it something that's as easy as it sounds, or did it take a lot of work to get there? Oh, wow. I haven't seen that. So they actually put a oh, SQL yeah, injection I've... inside the MagStripe info? Yeah, like MagStripe was... or even like UPCs. You can do it with UPC yep. labels. Uh, so like at Target, they have those little kiosks that you can check the price of stuff. Uh, uh, and if it happens to have a tick and a SQL statement, it maybe it does even something like what, what's the dot? What's how much data can you shove into a magstripe or a QR or a barcode? I don't I, easily easily enough to do a SQL injection. Yeah, yeah, enough to do sure. a, you know. Well, I mean, even if you just put like a percentage sign, that's going to screw shit up if it's <laughs> um, inside <laughs> a SQL statement. But enough to do a, you know, asterisk, uh, sorry, apostrophe or one equals one, right? But I'm thinking, like, I just thought you had, like, 16 characters maximum. No, you can do, like, a, you, you can do a full union select, <laughs> like, you know, and join, like, <laughs> three in a joint, and, you know, you got plenty of space. There's Crazy. definitely enough for drop tables. <laughs> like, I'm <laughs> yeah. pretty sure you can at least drop tables. But, yeah, it, yeah. it's, like, like higher resolution UPC codes. Uh, those are definitely... It'd be, like, fuzzing the access data. controller. Right, yep. you're just fuzzing the the controller through the reader. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I uh, I was looking at your Twitter account, by the way, and uh, what I was going to ask earlier is, you have some comments on Zigbee right at the top, and uh, yeah, I wanted to ask you about Zigbee and and what your experience has been with it and what uh, yeah what's going on there. Um, so my first experience with it was uh, we made a company I was with we made a commercial lock like back in 2009. And uh, it was just proprietary 802.15.4. And I listened to your guys' chat about, um, I forget who you had on. It was uh, talking about wireless where, yeah, basically you roll your own protocol. And then you say, hey, this is proprietary Zigbee. Oh, and yeah, Cryptos. Yes, it was the one with Cryptos. That was a great talk, by the way. Um, yeah, so we basically did that. <laughs> we, we made our own uh, proprietary 802.15.4 system. Awesome. And then... Um, you know, we we brought some people in to try to crack it. And it's funny because when you're dealing with low power um, devices, a lot of the times, like people are trying to attack it and it's just sleeping like they don't 
understand how Zigbee works where it's just, just dead. And it's not going to respond to anything because the micro is completely shut down. Huh. And um, so Wait, we did, we've done, yeah, go ahead. Why is it shut down? Uh, safe power. Oh, so a lot I of times see. on it, yeah, like a door lock, right? It runs off of like four AA batteries usually. Right. And it has to run maybe a two amp motor every time you go through it. Right. So right. you need to be like way down there. You need to be in microamps. It's just sleeping until so, you give it some kind of event to wake up. Yeah, I was going to say, there's usually like a dark wake event or something like that with those uh, types of things, right? Yeah, like there's a wake up where it wakes up and then it starts to talk to like its pan coordinator. That and, stuff's um, so fascinating. Like, it, I, I've always been kind of sketched out by the idea of wake on land and stuff like that. Um, and I still am. But now that I know, like, <laughs> there's other implications, especially when it comes to wireless and Zigbee and stuff like that, where you're you're starting to control some really crazy things uh it makes things a lot more interesting to look at that's for sure yeah some of these radios uh lately they're like incorporating new ways to wake up so some of them will have like where you just wake up when they they wake up and look at all the energy on the band and you can set a threshold so it doesn't have to be a particular protocol it'll just say hey like hey is there a radio thing close and if there is yeah. it'll it'll wake the whole machine up that's very cool. There'll be, there'll be like wake on proximity soon where, where a human walks nearby and it powers up. It's a... uh, that was a, that was on the topic of locks. There was Lockytron, I think, which I still haven't received since 2013. <laughs> and, um, yeah, they had, a, they had a Bluetooth proximity where it's like, ah, your back address is nearby. Unlock the door. And, like, um, yeah. that, that seems like a pretty... I'm, I'm, I'm gonna guess that's not what you guys are doing. I mean, the MAC addresses uh, are infallible. They're they're as good as you know public-private key cryptography. <laughs> <laughs> a lot a lot of these things, once you actually get beyond the the radio layer, and it's you start coming across all the same local area Ethernet security issues that you that have been solved for decades on wired networks, but they just haven't thought of it in wireless networks. They're not issues, they're opportunities. Right. <laughs> oh. it's, it's incredible. You can, be, you can be talking to really hardcore engineers and say something to them like, so I could just TCP dump on this interface, right? And just capture all the packets and they go, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> Why would you do you that? Well be... That's not in the manual. You're not supposed well, to it's be. Not, it's not legal. It's against yeah, the rules. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, I got a lot of this stuff like we, we discovered that, uh, you know, transmit power is limited to whatever watts. And that's just because some guy said in a standard oh, somewhere that you must do this. You remember that? Back See, in the day, must the, do this, uh, do this. the wireless cards, they were always neutered. And you could just set the TX power up. Yeah, to this day, yeah. right? Amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, the original Atheros cards that stuck with the mad Wi-Fi driver was the... Yep. Uh, the ham radio guys know that there's regulations that say they can only use these bands and this amount of power and stuff. But that doesn't stop like pirate radio in the 80s was all over the place. Um, <laughs> good luck catching them, you know. They got, they got a van and some, some hobbyist equipment and they're transmitting for a few blocks and they're overpowering their local TV and radio stations. And yeah, there's, there's nothing that can be done. But... Um, those people are all old now, and they're not involved in in engineering these 
Yeah. CP and <laughs> and instead they're devi- uh, designing Java <laughs> applications. Horribly, it, yeah. That's a callback to our that's, earlier yeah. stuff of terrible Java. But yeah, yeah. but back to Zigbee. Uh, we, I mean, yeah, we still do Zigbee locks, and like Zigbee locks are mandated by the Zigbee protocol, um, and specifically the home automation, um, part of that protocol. Yeah, um, just like BLE, there's a there's a a lot of pressure, just like Bluetooth, that says make it so it just works. Our device doesn't have a screen or a button on it. We just want it to associate as soon as it comes in range of an iPhone. Mm-hmm. Just work, please. And so security just gets thrown away for convenience because who would intercept a Fitbit and take it over? Mm, yeah. yeah, probably nobody. But if it's a pacemaker and it's using the same security, mm, not so good. Uh, even a Fitbit, if you think about it, I know you. I know you actually didn't mean that but uh yeah fitbit seems uh inconsequential but when you think about an entire history of where a a cia employee has been going fitbit becomes a little more interesting you know oh did you see the strava like did you guys talk about the strava thing yeah Yeah, there was strava there was another one too right after that i forget the name my is the one with under armor is it my fitness pal something like that and there's another one yeah i don't know it's a fume. It's just it's this is just the ones that, that we know about as well. Like most most intel agencies will discover something like this, and it never gets published. It just gets yeah. scraped. Oh yeah, that Strava thing took up like a whole week of my nights just looking over that heat map. Like, oh, this is interesting. What's that? <laughs> I'm a, I'm really amazed. Yeah. You you can't in Australia at least you cannot take a, a mobile device anywhere near defense facility. You won't get, even get within five miles of a defense facility. Wow. I mean, I say uh-huh. that in theory. In theory, I say that, but then something like this will come along and prove that. Oh yeah, no, actually, there's people around <laughs> yeah. all over the place with iPhones that they're not supposed to have. <laughs> I think the really yeah. interesting part about it is especially things like Fitbit, like I, I, don't, I don't know from experience, I don't have one. I'm a very lazy person, but I would imagine the Fitbit can uh, record your, your data without an actual need to pair to the mothership phone. And then once you're out of work and back home, when you sync it back up, then it all of a sudden uploads all the telemetry that was supposed to be avoided um, unknowingly. To these employees that uh that are in there was a there was a a similar question put out by meadow from many hats um about when you know if you were to take someone's smartwatch um this is on twitter a couple of days ago if you to take someone's smartwatch at a party uh you know what notification information would you get it was a pretty interesting thread Interesting. Uh, yeah. Take a smartwatch and do what with it? And basically, it's still getting notifications from the mothership phone. Um, oh, yeah. And like, apparently, Apple phone, Apple watches. I don't have an Apple watch, but they lock themselves. And like, um, other devices like the Pebble, like um, you yeah. can see like some notifications depending on the settings of the device. But like, there's all different, you know, across the board with these. Smart devices, you know what what they actually store once they're you know they've really been taken away. Planes, yeah, uh, lots yeah. Of I think one of the really interesting things. Don't do anything that. on planes ever. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> yeah, for real. There's an app you can get for both iOS and for Android called Light Blue, and it allows you to basically arbitrarily fling hex at whatever BTLE endpoints that are in earshot. <laughs> and fun yes, fact. I, 
Ionic totally was not on my flight to <laughs> the uh, the Fitbit Charge Two, for example. The field for the name of the device is world writable by anybody in earshot. Awesome. So, yeah. Yeah. So you Ooh. can just change the name of people's like wrist <laughs> like thing, yeah. like just to ASCII penises or just hacked <laughs> or whatever you wanted to say. I think you get like nine characters or something like that. That's great. Yeah. Is, so, is that still uh, vulnerable to this day? Ability. This is by design. This is BTLE. Oh. BTLE is designed specifically so that it does not need security, so that it's just no. brainless and it easy. Just works. There are well, there are also a couple of uh, of other fields that are also toggleable as well as like I've seen it with a couple of different. Well, someone who isn't me has seen it with a couple of uh, of different parameters um, that are just toggleable. So if you're just standing in line for the train or something, you can just uh, start changing everybody's stuff or turn notifications back on for them. Oh, that's so it's good. A, this is yeah. a, a good. This is a really good example of what we were talking about before. How things are often quite a lot easier than than the academics and the the OSCPs will have you believe in the real world. And some of the old ham radio guys know this: that if you can yell louder than the other guy with radio, oh, yeah. weird stuff happens. And we know that. That's why we have regulations against it. So having knowing that. You got a, a Bluetooth device or a Zigbee device or something, and you just send garbage on all channels at maximum power. <laughs> it falls over. It just shits itself and falls over. Yeah. You know what else does that? Drones. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah I think that's back. if you look at the pin tweet you're talking about. That that was literally when I was being asked to like, hey, can you simulate just maximum traffic on a single channel? And I was like, <laughs> well, sure. I'll just spin up a continuous wave on a channel. And we'll, yeah, we'll let it roll. In, in military, they discovered this in the you know the twenties or something. So they use like frequency hopping and all kinds of stuff so that they can't be squelched, they can't be flooded. They they're not on a single channel, they're not on a single band, they're not even on a single technology. They spread it out because it's a, yeah. it's a it's a known issue. But in consumer <laughs> world, which is where Zigbee and Bluetooth fall in, they don't care because they don't use it. So, there, so there are some things you can do. I mean, there's some things you can do. Like if, um, like if something connects to you and you don't recognize it, then you can just kick it off immediately. Like that's like the first line of defense. Like if someone tries to connect to you and interrogate all your Bluetooth characteristics, you can just say like, "Hey, I don't know you. Go away," and just keep disconnecting. Now they can look. They could totally just run your battery down by just like connecting, disconnect, connect, disconnect. But there's some you little tricks you can do. You do that on a Wi-Fi access point too, but nobody does. Or yeah, as soon as no, an unrecognized device connects you, show <laughs> nobody would ever do that. <laughs> hey, does it actually? Uh, does it actually draw power, connecting and disconnecting? Oh sure, sure. I mean, you're yeah, you're you're holding the radio awake longer than it normally would be awake. Nice. So yeah, huh. yeah, because it it thinks it's going to do like a mutual off type thing right i mean most i won't say most devices but any devices with any security will wake up and say okay it's time to do a handshake and then if you're not there to do a handshake it's just kind of listening for a little bit longer than it usually would right. and then yeah. you're gonna run it down that's really fascinating that's a little thing i would have never thought about cool love this cool. so where did be um you said you had some like you, yeah, I wasn't sure if you were serious to see it. We had a presentation, but do you have anything that you want to cover that we haven't talked about yet? Because we've kind of gone all over the place. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, not, <laughs> not really. Like you guys kind of said, like, hey, do you want to talk about RF and and security stuff? So I mean, all I really got is 
I made locks a long time and, and my background's RF. So I've done some cool stuff with like antennas and, and that sort of thing. So anything around those subjects I can, I can speak to. Hopefully you're like, enjoying the hang, man. Uh, it's dude, this is cool. Trying yeah. to get a free, free flowing show and everything's uh, everything's on the table. Um, well, the other night you guys talked about like salt using salt water for attenuation. <laughs> do, you, do you remember that someone mentioned that? That was not Pike, and and I wish that he was here because he would you'd be yeah right. So much he he got pulled away to do something, um, so he was not able to join us unfortunately. But he's a frequenter of our Discord, so you can always uh, chat with him too here and uh in the hardware and the sdr channels but yeah um he's yeah. done a lot of weird interesting oh things. yeah yeah well he so that's how like i said i got introduced he actually uh i think his antennas are in the mail right now so they're going to oh. come to me and then i'm going to do a vna scan on him and and uh let him see some plots where i don't think he had access to some vnas that go as high as the ones i do go to so um we're going to plot him for him and see how they do that's awesome yeah Actually, I just got his uh, his waifu antenna. It's a Wi-Fi antenna. It's like uh, in the shape of like this like uh, anime like animal. It's really it's a really beautiful antenna, but it's like a a nice um, 2.4 gigahertz that I'm gonna try out after just solder the uh, connector onto it. But yeah, oh cool, well, yeah, um, yeah. But no, that's yeah, awesome. like, dude. Well, you guys were talking about. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say, uh, as you was saying what uh, Pike's project name was, it just dawned on me that it's Waifu. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> He's got some cool antennas. Like the one with um, it's got basically it's a trace doing the finger yeah. on the back. I don't know. If, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love it. That was, our it was good. We, were, uh, we gave a lot of those out of DEF CON from about 100, I think. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that was one of the coolest things to see. The Thug Crowd branded middle finger, love it. <laughs> I, I just want to point out that, like, when that goes through the X-ray at the through the TSA, that's when the middle finger really shines. Oh, beautiful! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, antennas are awesome. I think one of the it, it's kind of fun because, like, with the locks, you've built this entire system that's like the size of your hand. It has a whole bunch of metal and they want you to put a transceiver and an antenna like in the middle of the metal. So it's really tricky and it's just been really awesome to be able to like have be part of a place that has a lab and all this cool equipment where you can kind of go in there and play. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. So do you have any other projects that you've been working on or anything cool that has been exciting you lately? Um, so one kind of project that came out of DEF CON this year, um, was I was just chilling out in the, in the, I guess, I guess it was a chill out area and, uh, talking with a guy there that was up in, uh, the wireless village. He did, um, he did a presentation. I wish I could remember his name. He did a presentation on how he went about, um, it was like how he went about systematically hacking Wi-Fi or fox hunting. I think it was actually fox hunting, like how he did like a multiple, mode like multiple nodes that would fox hunt and we got talking um kind of back on the subject of like decoding poxag and said like wouldn't it be cool if you had a bunch of remote nodes decoding poxag kind of like flight aware where you make a little image runs on a pie decodes all the poxag in your area then it uploads it to one spot 
So coming back to DEF CON, and, and honestly, I haven't, I haven't even unpacked from DEF CON because I went straight from there to a different trip and I just got back a couple of days ago. Um, w- so that's something we're going to start working on. Awesome. So it'll be, a, yeah, it'll be like a raspberry. Cause the whole point is, I don't know if you saw the episode we did about Poxag, but it's like, there's all this stuff that's still out there and everybody's getting reprimanded for not locking their stuff down. Yet <laughs> all your personal health information is just ripe for the taking. It's yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. It's the uh, they're they're allowed to get away with it due to uh, loopholes. So that's why to this day, a lot of the uh, healthcare industry runs on fax machines because that's the one loophole where they don't need to go through this checklist of uh, of stuff. Um, it, it, same with PCI. Like there's all these back doors into the uh, into the standard. That say, okay, well, if you're using this antiquated technology of a fax machine, you don't have to be compliant in this, this, and this. It's uh, so, it's something that I think you're gonna be able to to highlight. Here's why maybe putting back doors into these things is a bad idea. <laughs> it's interesting, like Poxag is like still really it's used here with uh, emergency services and stuff like that. And the law is basically like you can read it, but you can't act on it. So don't show up to a, like a crime scene. But what I've learned from Poxag is that the best time to overdose is uh, on heroin is around 11:30 on a Tuesday or a Wednesday because I guess <laughs> there's nothing else going on. But that's when the most uh, intentional poisoning calls go out, and uh, it's pretty funny. I mean, it's not yeah. funny. I feel bad for those people, but like you know. Did you say intentional poisoning? Uh, yeah. So it can't, that's what it's listed as, like for overdosing. Oh it's an, it's listed oh. as an intentional poisoning on the uh, POXAG for the old. Uh, the old ambulance system but um oh, yeah, the crazy. fire department there's uh outage systems like sometimes you'll see uh you know uh, this uh host na- this internal host name is is at 100 percent cpu load like you know and that's being okay. sent out over poxag to like go to some poor engineer somewhere who probably doesn't know that it's uh, a broadcast medium yeah so yeah. was uh, was your yeah. plan to do the the poxag decoding and then uh, a stream like a some kind of stream I would assume or yeah and that's that's where it gets kind of dicey right because like if you do an SDR into a pi image and then it's going to do a stream like okay do you let that just go raw what's uh-huh. the point if the I think the point was hey if you can somehow extract the hospital name or the responsible party. Yeah. Um, and then link that to like an abuse line or a security at for that facility. Sure. Um, and, and, you know, like you probably couldn't tweet it out, but somehow alert them to it. Because from talking with people after we did the episode and um, everything from like it, it got a lot of traction, honestly, on the HIPAA side. Like if I look at that yeah. tweet and like who who liked it was a lot of people from the healthcare industry. And if you talk to them, they're like, well, a lot of hospitals don't even know it's happening. It's like their vendors for emergency services might be privatized and somehow they're still doing it. And so it just needs to be made aware. Yeah. uh, I will say people enjoy just watching that stuff, Uh, especially, so I did, I did something similar with Tor nodes. I put uh, two or three Tor nodes up that I had put up their exit nodes and just put some uh, kind of dubstep on it or something like that on Twitch and ran it for a couple hours 
just with grepping user, password, and a few other keywords. And, you know, the, the staggering amount of unencrypted port 80 traffic people were using Tor for, and therefore I was showing all these passwords and stuff coming through was mind blowing. It, it, like 50% of the traffic, I think, was unencrypted. Yeah. Cool. And this would kind of follow the same, uh, the same thing. Like, I think people would be really interested to watch. Uh, yeah. Some kind of high volume stuff, especially if you can, um, if you can pick out interesting traffic and then obfuscate it. That was the other little catch that I did that actually saved my yeah. ass. Um, oh I yeah. Did, I did some replacements on letters, and you know, it wasn't, it wasn't infallible. Like people totally could have reversed it uh, back to what it should be, but it was enough that I felt like I wasn't, I wasn't doing anything terribly wrong. Um, and I think kind of like Wallace Sheep, like Wallace Sheep does a yeah. good balance of, hey, there's stuff out there. It's obfuscated in some way, but exactly. yeah. yeah. So with the uh, with the Porter Pack, though, there is Poxag decoding native on that on the default firmware, correct? Or am I wrong? Correct. Oh, no, wow. uh, right. from the default firmware, I know on, on Furtex build there is, but I'm not sure on native. I've I've been running the other build so long. I don't I don't I haven't looked at the native lately. <laughs> cool. So, like, so I mean, that's that's probably uh, pretty cool. I mean, the porta pack's a little expensive, but I mean, if uh, when you have uh, localized poxalic sites, so like, there's a whole bunch of like repeater channels that go out to like vehicles and stuff like that, like what I was mentioning earlier. And but like with the porta pack, I mean, that's something where you could take it to a site that's very like a very low power output and then start decoding like on site, right? Yeah. So fun stuff. I've got some like random notes of like things um, that I wanted to mention that you guys sort of mentioned. And one of it was that, uh, so the saltwater attenuator. So there was like, if you're a homeless RF engineer and you want some equipment for a super low budget, what's a good way to attenuate signals? Um, metallic static bags. I've used those in the lab before. Really? So like, you know, like what, like motherboards come in. Yeah. If you put enough of those, uh, like a bag and a bag and a bag and a bag. Uh, I think it was seven. I think seven was the magic number where you could like completely squelch a cell phone. Oh yeah, um, right on. I've noticed yeah. uh, tinfoil. If you wrap a cell phone in tinfoil, about two or three layers thick. That's all you need. Does the yeah. same job. Yeah. Well, it's funny because it like it acts like high pressure water. So it's really not so much about the thickness. It's about like the seams. Oh, like okay. if, if, if you could put a high pressure hose in it and it not get out, then you're probably good with RF. Huh. That's awesome. Also plasma. Like if you look up in like Google scholar, look up plasma radomes. So like on spacecraft, sometimes they'll make a shield of plasma um, to completely obfuscate an antenna. Wow. What in the so, world? It, so yeah, uh, can you describe that? Like what, what in the world? Yeah. Is so, there? <laughs> so kind of like a plasma TV, like when you turn it on, right. It just like has uh, or like a plasma ball, right. That you put your hand on. Right. Well, if you flatten that out and make like a wall out of it, RF mm -hmm. hits it and it just gets completely obliterated both really? directions. Huh. What, so um, what, what yeah. range just every, uh, everything. 
Yeah, yeah, I think all of it. I mean, wow. you could look. There's probably something that goes through it. But um, looking like the scholarly articles that I stumbled upon at one time and was like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy fascinating. That sounds awesome. Yeah. And we've used some cool stuff in the lab. But there's uh, something. So at CES last year uh, called Echozorb. You guys familiar with that at all? No. So it. it Nope. It's kind of like that foam you would see inside of a chamber. Um, they use it on the IBM quantum computer. And so the engineer was kind of telling me, I was like, you know, how do you keep things quiet inside this big uh, cylinder? And he's like, oh, we use this stuff called Echozorb. And um, it, it attenuates, it has different ranges, like you can buy it in different ranges. And uh, uh, a company called Layered RF makes it now. They, they're well known for like connectors and stuff. And so they make it. And so if you think about like a tinfoil hat, like if you made one out of Echozorb, you could really block some frequencies. It's it's really cool stuff. And it's apparently, according to the IBM guy, that's like what they used on the stealth fighter back in the day. Don't know if that's true, but that's what he said. That's pretty yeah. amazing. <laughs> hmm. I like, yeah. wow. What do you think? Oh, I'm sorry, uh, you go ahead, dude. Oh, what were you gonna say? I was just gonna ask, um, what do you see being the 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 big thing? for the new year um I, we got a couple more months for some stuff to start coming up and being the hype for all 2019 uh what's your prediction what do you think is going to be the interesting area that uh that people get a lot of focus on um i'm thinking it's the unhackable blockchain <laughs> yeah no, I'm just okay joking. i'm just joking <laughs> I mean, no, i'm kidding that's exactly. a joke. That's <laughs> but... Unhackable. No, that was a funny thread to watch, right? No, oh that my was God, so it's cool. Right. <laughs> it was fantastic. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've been following. Have you guys been following like the quantum cryptography stuff? Oh, like no. it, it's getting more gameplay. Like I, I see it more in the news and like publications where. You know, China now has 12 qubit quantum cryptography, and now there's new mm -hmm. cryptography that's quantum resistant. And so that's kind of an area I've been oh, I've been researching. Okay, I like yeah. it. Quantum cryptography. Yeah, that stuff gets wild. Yeah. Just the theory behind it, you know? <laughs> I mean, so we're oh, talking like, about like, uh, like particles uh, that change their state when they're observed, like so that you know that the particles have been observed in transit before the endpoint, right? Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. You exactly. Yeah, yeah. That that's that's mind blowing shit. I can't. That, that that's my entire understanding in a sentence. Like, yeah. <laughs> but see, your your entire understanding that description that you just gave has taught me more about it than I've learned through reading stuff over like a year's time. So yeah. that that really does kind of sum up a lot of. There's the, a YouTube video that will blow your mind called no more secrets right oh, it's just okay. like in old sneakers fashion like yeah, yeah. Uh, too many secrets yeah. no it's no more secrets by dr persinger p-e-r-s-i-n-g-e-r -I, -E I think a guy up in canada it's mind-blowing it's like they awesome. basically in a nutshell say your brain makes these entangled pairs that they create in quantum cryptography your brain does this naturally and they put two people in two different locations and they like flash lights in one of their eyes and the other people can see it. Come on. At, get out put, of here. I know, man. And if what? you look up in Google Scholar, 
the guy has all kinds of cool experiments like this. That's awesome. I don't know if it's 100% solid, but it's awesome to read. And the YouTube video called No More Secrets is amazing. Awesome. Yeah, we should definitely check it out. I mean, the thing with quantum uh, computing is we we are kind of entering this level of territory that is magical in a way because we don't know enough about it uh, to it, – it's just this new thing that that seems like it's not even real but it is it's like rf in like the 1830s or something right i feel like that's where we're at yeah (laughs) trying trying to describe a wi-fi access router to a blacksmith in the 1800s (laughs) (laughs) it with a hammer and put it in slag yeah (laughs) well that does make it more secure (laughs) (laughs) well it's getting kind of uh late guys but I would really, really want to stick tonight. Thanks to you, um, Wave ID, for coming on and talking to us because it's quite a lot of information. And I'm looking forward to if you stick around our Discord um, anything else you might share because there's a lot of uh, interesting stuff coming out of especially those videos. The HackerWire's videos are really cool. I like any sort of instructional video that tells you exactly how to do something. Um, but yeah, um, thanks very much for coming to hang out. Hell yeah, thanks. Hey, th- thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, I will definitely. Um keep keep on here this is a great crew to uh, talk with oh um do you have anything else that you want to share or, or say before we go um no i don't think so i think we we kind of covered it i mean thanks yes yeah. the site that people can reach uh, you got again um yeah so basically you can reach out to me on the twitter sphere at uh at waveguide so it's just w-a-v-e-g-u-i-d so waveguide um that's where i interact mostly i mean i've got a few websites i feel like i hoard domains you guys do that at all oh, like do you guys uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> wait <Yep. laughs> yes <laughs> you're a hackerwarehouse.tv as well right correct correct so you can reach me at troy at hacker warehouse tv and definitely check out our videos at hackerwarehouse.tv oh yeah man awesome oh yeah awesome. Um, Thanks, everybody, for hanging out. We will be back on Tuesday with Georgia Weedman, the author of uh, Penetration Testing, a Practical Guide, the No Starch Press book that saved my butt in a couple of times. Um, so, yeah, we'll be back then. And you know, hit us up if you want to get involved in our CTF, if you want to get involved in our uh, Pokemon Reverse Engineering, if you want to get involved in any of our chats. Just hit us up on Twitter, at Thugcrowd. And also thanks to our Patreon supporters. They're scrolling by. We love you. Good night. See? Good night. Crazy lawyer.